Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Mike to New Haven podcast with sports personality Mike Cologne. Here's your host, Mike. You're listening to the best of the bravest. Interviews with the FDNY's elite. Episode 205, volume 25 of the best of the bravest interviews with the FDNY's elite. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to yet another episode of the Mike Raven podcast. Over 200 episodes now. Still feels crazy to say, but I've been at this a while. And I've been fortunate enough to talk with some great guests. If you haven't checked out last night's show, that was volume 21 of the E-Men inside the NYPD's emergency service unit with uh, Joe Guerra, who was originally with the housing police in their rescue unit. And upon the merger of the departments, of course, went over to Truck 3 in the Bronx. And he talked about that chilling story in August of 2000. He's very fortunate to be alive. He was shot in the face during a shootout in Brooklyn. Uh, with an EDP in uh, August of 2000. So uh, good talking with Joe about a 12-year career. It ended prematurely due to those injuries, but he's not bitter. You know, a good good guy with a heck of a story. And that's the same theme for, of course, tonight with my next guest, who for 14 years fought fires in the nation's crown jewel city, a fire explorer during his teenage years. His passion for the fire service extended into his stint with the Air Force as well as the Air National Guard, joining the FDNY in 1992. Truck 19 in the Bronx is where he started. And he, of course, went to Rescue 3, which is where he finished up. His entire career spent in the Bronx. That for Volume 25 of the Best of Bravest interviews with the FDNY's elite, Mr. Jeff Cool. Welcome, Jeff. How are you? Thanks for having me. Uh, good. Great for you to be here. Been a long time coming to try to get you on. I, I think I'd reach <laughs> out to you back in January, February of this year. So uh, here we are now, uh, you know, in August, I finally get you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and summer's blowing right by. It's lucky you got me, you know. I know. I know. I hate it. I hate the winter. I'm not looking forward to it. Uh, but that said, first question is an easy one. Tell me where you grew up, Jeff. So I grew up in Rockland County in uh, Havistro, New York, um, a very diverse community. Um, it actually was uh, settled by the Dutch way back when. It's uh, it's actually the brick capital of uh, the United States. Uh, New York City was built from the bricks of uh, Havistro. And, uh, you know, I, I I lived there my whole life until uh, I went in uh, active duty uh, Air Force. 
And your passion for the fire service, like I said, when I was introducing you, extended really, or began, I should say, really early on. You were a fire explorer. I love programs like that. It really fosters the youth's interest. And it also keeps them out of trouble, keeps them disciplined and focused in the right areas. How did that program open up for you? So, well, well, first, my dad was a volunteer fireman uh, in Havistra. Um He, as a kid, he's uh, originally from West Virginia, and um, he was in the, hung around a volunteer firehouse down there. And uh, anyway, uh, he worked for the New York State Thruway Authority uh, on a Tappanzee Bridge. Um, and at, way back when, they actually had towing and fire, and they had multiple fire trucks uh, for the Tappanzee uh, Bridge. Um, and uh, uh, you know, so I always had a passion for the fire service as a young kid going with him to the volunteer firehouse and have a straw or, uh, you know, asking him what, you know, what happened at work, you know. Um, so uh, I guess, you know, I don't know when the fire explorer program started, but, um, you know, some of my older friends, um, they were involved in it. And uh, as soon as I turned 14, I threw my hat in a ring and, you know, um, I was I guess I would, you know, I mean, the fire explorer program is part of uh the Boy Scouts of America, um, the Explorer programs are. And I was, you know, I was a Cub Scout, a, you know, we blow a Boy Scout. And, you know, so it was just a progression, I guess, if you will. But, you know, that was the best part of the Boy Scouts was the fire explorers, you know. Um, so many of the the guys that I was in the fire explorers uh, in, you know, way back as a kid, they evolved either as a New York City fireman or a police officer um you know it's just it's just great to see that uh you know guys evolved from that you know and it kind of molded us to who we were or who we are today you know talking with jeff cool this is volume 25 of the best and bravest interviews with the fdny's elite if you got a question for jeff fire away in the chat early on let me give a shout out to jay driscoll he's always here so show beliga same thing with him. Steven Zaslavsky, of course, a fire commissioner in my neck of the woods in New Haven. Gary Lindgren's here tonight. He's watching. He'll be on the show soon. Good man, Gary. Look forward to chatting with him. And uh, William Cooney, uh, he just tuned in as well. Thank you, Bill. Good to see you, too. So uh, getting into the Air Force now, I think you were there. For, well, you were there for a number of years, but active duty for initially 85 to 88. Uh, what prompted you to go into the Air Force? So, huh, well, you know, I guess I had this dream as a young kid that I always wanted to be a New York City fireman, you know, and I didn't know too many New York City firemen. But like many young kids, uh, you know, that were in a fire explorer program or, you know, the volunteer fire service, you know, you're reading Firehouse Magazine um, and, and reading Firehouse Magazine like it was uh, like a nudie magazine, like it was Playboy or whatever, you know, I mean, read it cover to cover and, you know, just couldn't get enough of it. And eventually, you know, I found report from Mention Company 82. And uh, that's, that's, I mean, I knew then that I wanted to be a New York City fireman, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, I, I wanted to work, you know, in the South Bronx. And, uh, um, but I knew I had to be 21 years of age to be appointed to the New York City Fire Department. So one day I'm reading Firehouse Magazine. I don't know, it might have been 16 years of age. And, uh, I find an article on the uh, DOD fire school at uh, Chanute Air Force Base. It was like, I think it was like a four page article. I wish I still had it today. And my dad was an army vet. And I said, dad, I think I want to you know, go in the Air Force and, um, you know, uh, start my career there. And, um, you know, he just said, make sure you get a guaranteed job, whatever you do, because these recruiters are just looking for numbers. Actually went to the recruiter in Spring Valley, New York, and uh, was talking to him. And he uh, goes, "We don't have firefighters in the Air Force," so he wasn't even aware of it. I'm like, "Sir, look at you know, look at this magazine right here, you know." And 
we looked it up and I got a guaranteed contract. I signed it at 17, you know, in my junior year, I signed my contract with, uh, you know, the United States Air Force and um, uh, August 19th, 1985, uh, shipped off to boot camp at Lackland Air Force Base in Texas. Um, you know, some of the hottest, the hottest months of the year being there, you know, August and September. And, uh, and I was six weeks and from there, uh, you know, I went to Chinoot Air Force Base and, um, and that's, uh, like in Rantoul, Rantoul, uh, Illinois, uh, the base is no longer there. That base has been closed. Um, and they're at Goodfellow Air Force Base in Texas now, but, you know, went to my, uh, initial training there. And, uh, from there, uh, you know, they, they tell you to fill out your dream sheet, if you will, <laughs> you know, like they're going to send you like really where you want to go. Yeah. I want to go to Hawaii. Well, I, I pretty much filled out the East coast and I, I wanted to really go to like Florida. And, um, anyway, I ended up, uh, you know, my last name being cool. Um, I think the guy had some fun with me and I ended up in Alaska for uh, three years. Um, so, uh, yeah, I've seen 45 below zero and I've seen, uh, without a wind chill and I seen 90, 90 plus degrees in the summertime, but, uh, uh, a great base uh, as far as firefighting goes, a very diverse base. Uh, we had fighters, we had uh, uh, refuelers, we had helicopters, we had A-10s. Um, I was up there during the Cold War, so it was great. A lot of action, a lot of stuff going on. And my fire chief up there, Bud Rotroff, uh, civilian, um, he was a former smoke jumper. So uh, he had us all up uh all up to speed and trained as uh as uh, uh wildland firefighters we were all uh, red card uh carrying firefighters and uh yeah we were out there i you know fighting thousands of acres sometimes a fire and uh really really not my cup of tea you know i mean it was it was you know it's it's backbreaking and when i say it's not my cup of tea is because you know you could have you know a row of taxpayers going or a bunch of frames going and you see progression but I mean, it's really hard to see progression when you're on, you know, you're on a front line and, you know, you just, you, you don't see it, you know, right away. I mean, you could be out there for days, weeks, you know, uh, doing this stuff. I mean, it, it, it's backbreaking. You know? Yeah, I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. Yeah, but you know what? It takes, you know, there's an old song by Faith No More. And the line in the song is because the song is, oh, we care a lot. It's a dirty job, but someone's got to do it. You know, it does yeah, build yeah. character, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was it was it was it was awesome to experience it, you know, and I'm glad I got a chance to experience it. But uh, it really wasn't for me, you know. Um, <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, still, I had my eye on the prize. You know, I knew I wanted to be a New York City fireman. And, uh, you know, I was just waiting for the next test. Um, I think it was. It was 87, I think, December of 87, maybe when they gave the, the test that I was appointed off of. Um, so I flew down from Alaska, um, actually oh, back up for a minute. So when I was up in Alaska, I took a detail to a bombing range. So uh, it was a 30 day detail. So basically what I did, I was, uh, I sat in the air traffic control tower with the, the range officer, which is another pilot. And uh, we just watched the, uh, the planes come in and drop bombs and straight targets. Um, and, and if there was a fire, you know, I was the first line of defense out there. If we needed an airdrop out there, I'd call it in. My downtime, I just kept doing old tests over and over and over again. Just, you know, just kept doing them and doing them. And uh, when I flew down, you know, took the test in December, 
did real well on the written test. Uh, I don't know, uh, 97, 98, I, I had, and, uh, it was just a waiting game, um, you know, back up to Alaska. Um, I, uh, I was involuntary extended. It was supposed to be a two, what was it? A, I don't know. It was a two and a half and it ended up basically, it was going to be there my whole four years, my whole four years of active duty. Um, it was during the uh, Grand Rudman administration, a lot of cutbacks and, you know, bases are closing and they don't want people moving around. They're trying to save money. So uh, I was uh, actually TDY to Korea. I was in uh, Chungju Air Base. I was on a Korean air base. Uh, we were playing uh, war games. And um, my dad ran into the fire chief from Stewart. And uh, they just started talking and uh, said, hey, you know, I'm looking for guys. Um, and I, uh, I palace chased my last year out of uh, active duty Air Force. And palace chasing uh is uh basically whatever you have left on your contract you got to double it in the air national guard so i, I had a year left on my uh, my active duty contract and uh pals chased into the guard um i worked in the same firehouse as a state uh firefighter as an air guard firefighter and actually wore a military uniform as a state firefighter believe it or not you know it's kind of weird but we we did it must have been cool yeah yeah well it, it was cool to to work there, you know, but, you know, it, it gets old wearing a military uniform all the time. I'm proud and honored to wear a military uniform, but, I mean, it's like, you know, you work 24 on 24 on 20. We worked, uh, it, you know, it was just, you know, it was grueling, you know. Uh, we didn't make a lot of money there. We didn't do a lot of fire duty unless, you know, we went mutual aid and to the city of Newburgh or to, uh, you know, one of the smaller, smaller towns there. Um, and uh, you know, there's. I guess I'm 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 happy to say you know I really have no big uh, plane crashes under my uh, under my uh, my resume. You know, it's uh, um, you know some of my friends uh, crash after crash they could tell you about. You know, mm -hmm. uh, both with uh, with uh, active duty uh, Air National Guard and with the city. You know, my buddy Dave Russell. Um, you know, he was at 50-50 when it went in, you know, USA or 50-50 when it went in. Um, he was, um, he was down in, um, Florida when, when I had an F-16 go belly up in, uh, in the midfield. Um, so, and, and he had a couple of more, uh, active duty, you know, so, um, you know, some guys are like that, you know, I guess the black cloud, you know. Yeah, well, well, just because did you get, you didn't, so you didn't even get fly flight 587 then in 01, or did you go to that one? And so I was, I finished my 24 hour tour that morning. Um, oh, okay. you know, and, and, and so we were on the third floor and, and, and rescue three, you know, changing out showering and, uh, the voice alarm lit up and, um, John Olson was the boss that was on duty. We were, where I think we were still working ABC, uh, uh, platoon at that time, you know? So, uh, um, Lieutenant Olson wasn't my Lieutenant. Well, he's my Lieutenant, but I wasn't in his, uh, and his group, you know, so, uh, you know, he got on a bitch box and basically said, if you're not working today, do not get on the rig. I mean, he's explicit language, you know, it's like, you know, because we, we already seen that happen, you know, uh, on nine 11 and right. shortly after, you know, so. Yeah, it only been two months. I'll get to certainly the rescue three years in a minute. And speaking of, here's Mike Milner from rescue four. He's watching nice. His 19 truck gave Jeff the only cool he needed. 
<laughs> Mike always quick with the one-liner. Yeah. You know? Oh, my goodness. And I've had Mike on the show before. For those of you that are new to the show, check it out. It was earlier this year, Volume 9, The Best and Bravest, you know, a while ago now. Because, like I said, at the top, we're at uh, Volume 25. So, 92, like you said, you get in. And immediately, you know, you go over to 19 Truck. Um, you know, and, of course, the Academy's great. Don't get me wrong. But there's nothing like being in the firehouse, being around these guys and doing what most probies, both as young police officers or young firemen, ought to do, which is zip the lips, open the ears. So you're yeah. watching these guys at work. Who would you credit for being pivotal in your growth as a fireman early on, either by what they directly showed you or what you learned by just watching them at work? Well, I just want to want to back up for a second, you know, sure. I took, you know, like when, when I came on a job, I just think it's important because I, I just watch the decay of New York City right now in the decay of the job. You know, I know we're not talking politics, but, you know, it, it, it really frustrates me because that job, I wanted it. I wanted it so bad. You know, I wanted it so bad. And, you know, we had a combined, you know, written and physical test, a score test. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And I and when I was working at Stewart, uh, myself and um, another coworker, Chris Delisio, we ran the air traffic control tower every night that we worked with the vest on. Every night, up and down. You know, like throwing up. You know, I mean, it it, it sucked. But you know what? You want that job. You know, it's 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 a job that's given uh, or given. It's earned, not 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 given, you know, and you got to want, it, you know. Um, so, uh, you know, I broke my hump and, uh, you know, I ended up a thousand three hundred sixty two on the list. And, uh, you know, I waited and waited for that job. And, you know, and that, and that was like uh, like almost ninety nine, you know, overall score, you know. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, by the grace of God, you know, I, I landed on my feet, you know, with like a 19 truck, you know, it's like, I didn't know I was going, you know, like, I didn't know 19 truck from 44 truck or 31 truck. Like, I knew nothing of that. Read a book, report from Engine Company 82. Um, but I, I, I didn't know, like, where I actually landed, you know, and then, uh, you know, Chief DiBernardo, Joey's dad, um, he actually became my rabbi even before I knew uh, Chief D. You know, his uh, his aide, Patty Boat, <laughs> um, uh, 55 truck guy, uh, was in the Air National Guard with me. And um, he uh, he went to Chief D and he says, hey, uh, Chief, I got this, uh, this guy in the Air Guard, you know, uh, can we get him into, you know, he's a good guy. Can we get him into, you know, a busy shop? And uh, by the grace of God, I landed in 19 truck, you know, and... Uh, I didn't, I, I honestly, I didn't know 19 truck, but I praise 19 truck every, every day. I mean, I, you know, I was talking to some guys just at a golf outing last week and, you know, guys pushing one truck, one super truck, power ladder and, and, uh, 
in the Bronx. And I'm like, if I have my choice, you know. Uh, no, where'd Jeff go? No. <laughs> we lost Jeff. I didn't do anything. Uh, well, we'll wait for him to come back. Uh, this is volume 25 of the best of the bravest interviews with the FDNY's elite. Here's now what I have to do now is what my friend Roma Tori refers to as tap dancing and Jeff's back. So I didn't have to tap. Uh, dance for <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. My head, my butt, uh, my, uh, earbud fell out and then it just went blank. I was like, ah. and that was crazy. Um, so I ended up in 19 truck and I was like, you know, um, I was amazed to, you know, to where I landed, you know, I mean, uh, it, it's a very depressed area, you know, um, it was burnout, you know, and, uh, I guess just back up for a second is that that is where the book report from engine Kate report from engine company 82, it was written about and, you know, 50 and 19 is in that book. And there's guys that I work with that are in that book, but their names are changed, protect them, you know, and, uh, um, yep. Then you know, I said they, that. He did yeah, say that. And, and uh, it's, uh, it, it, it was amazing to work there. You know, like I, I remember reporting in uh, um, Lieutenant uh, Billy Weber. Um, well, the first day in 19, I got to tell a funny story. My first day in 19 truck, uh, you know, stuff to, <laughs> that doesn't go on anymore, you know, because the guys are too soft, you know. Uh, it's just, uh, it, it, it's, uh, to me, it's not hazing. It's just welcoming, you know, to test you a little bit and to see where you yeah. are. But and I, you know, I knock on the door. Hey, you know, probationary firefighter Jeff Cole reporting for duty. Uh, hey, wait here. Whoever the guy was that, you know, was at the house watch. Uh, the captain will see you in a few minutes. Uh, they come and get me. The captain's in the kitchen. I go in the kitchen and uh, um, the brothers are all in the kitchen. But on the kitchen table, there's a guy completely naked, face down uh, with an apple in his mouth. And uh, another guy completely naked, rubbing him down with olive oil. And everybody's sitting around, <laughs> you know, just like nothing's going on, you know. And I'm like, okay, you know, they're like, you want to be next? I'm like, I'm good, you know. But they just <laughs> test it, you know. And I'm like, all right, well, I guess I ended up in a great place, you know. And uh, But getting back to Billy Weber, Billy Weber, uh, he was always pushing me, you know. Um, I guess the cat was out of the bag, you know, long before I said it. They're like, uh, so, hey, kid, uh, what'd you do, uh, you know, in the Air Force? I work with uh, airplanes. So what did you do uh, at Stewart Airport? You know, uh, uh, I worked with airplanes. Were you a 57150? And that was my job description. Uh, he was a 57150 back in the day, you know, as mm -hmm. an Air Force firefighter, you know, so... Um, so they they knew you know right from the get go you know and uh, you know they had some fun with me you know um, with that but it was all good but there was I mean so many guys there that molded me you know I mean um, I don't know if I could single out you know one guy I mean that uh, that firehouse uh, produced some of the best leaders in the job I mean um, Carlos Rivera was a lieutenant in fifty engine um, you know he became the commissioner. Um, uh, Patty McNally, he was, uh, uh, you know, one of the high, high ranking chiefs in, in the department, uh, Billy Selig, um, you know, he was one of my captains, uh, in 19, he became the chief of SOC, um, you know, so there's, I mean, I could go on and on, uh, Mike Buckeye, uh, big guy and, uh, um, you know, he was a fireman with me and, uh, um, you know, he, he rebuilt the Marine, you know, he was part of, uh, rebuilding the, uh, 
the Marine unit. I mean, really getting it going, you know? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there's a ton of guys there, you know, um, Jimmy Maya, Jack, uh, Jimmy Maya, Jack, um, Jimmy Maya, Jack, uh, I had him in Proby school and he ran the physical fitness, uh, uh, unit. Um, he was one of the big guys. Um, he passed in, uh, I believe 1997, we lost Jimmy. Um, we started battling cancer and in 96, we lost him in 97. Um, but just in an Adonis of, uh, a man, you know, I mean, as far as physical strength, um, a saint of a man that, um, you know, you just could do, you know, he, he didn't see the wrong in somebody. He would find the good in somebody, you know, before my time, somebody, you know, one of the local kids, they stole the shoes off, off the rig and he ran barefoot after the kid and, uh, and, and grabbed the kid. And, uh, he says, all you had to do was ask for him. I would have gave him to you, you know? Uh, but this was, uh, this is the guy that pushed me to, to be the best physical shape that I could in the job starting back in the academy. And at the end of his career, I got to work with him in 19 truck, you know, I'm a, he's got the irons and, and I got the can and I'm 20, 25, 26. And I'm following this older man up the project stairs. He says, be bopping up the stairs. Like it's nothing, <laughs> you know, or we're going 20 plus flights. And, you know, I mean, it was just, uh. You know, it, it was great. You know, I mean, there's, there's, I mean, there's guy after guy that I could talk about. There's some guys that are, you know, no longer here, you know, um, um, like one night we had like 30, 30 water leaks, right. And it was just, it was a hot summer night and, um, all the hydrants are open. So the projects, you know, they're not getting water pressure, you know, um, so they open up their faucet, they leave the faucets open and the hydrant gets shut down. They, they forget they open their faucet. Now you got water leaks, you know, and they're just leaking from, you know, from uh, from the top floor all the way down, you know. But I mean, we ran to 30 different water leaks that night. So Tommy Kelly, uh, God rest his soul, from 19 Truck, he 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 lost his life uh, post 9/11 from cancer. Um, he uh, he says, uh, "Hey kid, you know, we're gonna force these conventionally tonight." You know, um, you know, we bang on the door, nobody answers. Said so he's using a rabbit tool. You know, use the the Halligan and axe, and and you know hone your skills that way. You know, and uh, that's that that's just a, a great uh, teacher right there. You know, a mentor of mine. You know, so and that's a lot of you mentioned so many great names, and I love you know Dennis uh, was a friend of mine. He passed away, of course. I was fortunate enough to be able to speak with him, and it is true. You know that book right there. I have it on my shelf. I read it from start to, from cover to cover. It is definitively the Bible on fire service because there's yeah. so many guys, not just in New York, countrywide, even worldwide, because it was translated into so many different languages that became firefighters because of that book, or at least have a deep-seated interest. If they're not firefighters like myself, uh, you know, in the fire service because of that book. And I'm glad you mentioned the Marine, Marine Division too, because I believe that's part of SOC. When SOC was officially yeah. formed in '98, it went into SOC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And look at where it is now. Of course. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's. The whole job has just evolved so much post 9-11, you know? Mm -hmm. Hey, I'm just looking at my screen. Let me add some light in here. I just, uh, <laughs> it's a little dark. It's going to get dark. No problem. No, it's dark over here, you know, because it's, it's we're having a thunderstorm here in New Haven. The rain's really coming down. And Joe Maliga, yes, I'll answer that question momentarily. 
uh, and Bill Cooney, yes, it's one of the best books I've ever read too. I, before I continue, because me and one of the viewers of this show, he's a, he's was also a fireman. He was in the corrections field. He's a corrections officer as well, Joe Maliga. And his, one of his running bits with me is asking the guest if it's an ESU cop or a firefighter, did he ever deliver a baby? So did you ever deliver a baby? No, I never delivered a baby. No. All right. <laughs> So that's yeah, that's Joe Joe Malik is like I said, good man. That's that's a running joke between him and Joe. So there's your answer, Joe. So you know that said, in 19 truck at that time, you know even though fire duty is not what it was during the 60s, 70s, during the height of the warriors, like what Dennis wrote about for 82 and 31, it's not like fire duty is dwindling to a screeching halt. There's still a lot of work to go around, and that's just not even counting in the non-fire emergencies. I'm sure you guys were going to. Uh, on average, when you first got there, 92, 93, 94, how many fires was it common to go to during, you know, given shift, given week? I, I don't I don't remember how many we went to, but I, I mean, I'll describe the South Bronx then, you know, I mean, it was Morrisania. That's where we worked. Um, you know, 19 truck is 167 on Washington Avenue, you know, uh, not too far from Yankee Stadium. And uh, um, the. The book or movie Fort Apache, the Bronx, that's the, the area right there. That's, yeah. you know, I mean, it, it's a crazy area, you know, and uh, a lot of burnout of, of vacant buildings, you know, like all of Boston Road was burnt, you know, it was burnt out, you know, and uh, and, you know, it continued to burn. I mean, you know, there'd be nights that you would get, you know, a multiple, you know, I mean, it's this rip roaring, you know, turn into a tower, a lot of job, you know, a lot of frames, you know, um, but um when uh i don't know what year it was if it was 90 96 97 um uh, you know time it's you know just gets lost uh but um 92 engine moved in with uh 50 and 19 and a 26 battalion and 44 truck moved up on uh, uh with uh 42 engine because they were renovating uh 92 and 44's house so our response area, like 19 truck is second due to the world. It, it was just, it was just great. You know, like we're second due and, you know, we just, but when, when 44 went up on the hill, our response area got so big, you know, we're running, you know, as we're, we're running south, you know, with 82 and 31, and then we're running up into, you know, um, the hybrid section, you know, we're going up, you know, like where 44's boxes were and uh, our OSW occupied structural work. It wasn't runs, you know, it was fire duty, you know, I mean, we went, we shot way up. I mean, we were in a, we were in a top 10, you know, I mean, that's a rear mount, not a, not a tower ladder, you know, and, and it was, it was great, you know, and, you know, we really bonded with 92 engine, you know, it was like, I remember they had to party, you know, 92 and 44, they had a party for 1519 and, and 42 engine, you know, like to thank us, you know, for the time, but, uh, you know, a lot of guys in 92, they didn't want to go back to Morris Avenue. They just enjoyed it. it was, uh, you know, we had we had a blast, you know, I mean, with one another. We really got to know one another. And, uh, you know, and it was great going to fires. It was like, you know, you, it's like, you know, you, you, you take up from one job and, you know, you, you get back to quarters and there's another one, you know, and it was it was it was a lot of fun, you know. Yeah. And I love, I mean, granted, nothing against engine companies who do great work. I mean, the first ones to get there, their job primarily is to put the fire out in the first place. But I love talking to truck guys specifically, especially those truck guys that yourself and like our friend Hank Malay that later go out to rescue. Because with, you know, guys like you, you guys almost become masters by the kind of companies that you're working in of roof operations. And I love talking about that with guys like you because you go there. And I remember talking about this with Tim. You can clear a lot of May Days or a lot of problems in general before it even gets to a May Day 
by properly securing the roof, cutting when you need to cut, knowing, you know, of course, when not to cut as well. Tell me about roof operations as it pertains to you. How do you view it? How would you impart that knowledge and how to specifically do it to younger firefighters coming in in later years? Well, you're the you're the eyes and ears for the incident commander, you know, on a roof. You know, you you really got to you you know everything that's going on. You got to do the, you know, the four-sided, you know, walk around up there, you know, you got to tell them where there's fire at, you know, and um, you know, getting that bulkhead open, getting, you know, getting that skylight uh open. Um and, you know, I mean, if the roof needs cut, you know, cut it, you know, but, you know, you got to, you know, you got to tell, you know, what's going on up there, you know, the progression, you know, how we're progressing and, um, you know, because do you need more help up there? You know, do we need another soul up there? Do we need more guys, you know, to, you know, to pull or, pull or push that hole, you know, um, you know, it's, uh, it, it, it's, a, it's probably one of the, it is the most important job and, you know, as far as I'm concerned in a truck company, you know, cause you know, nothing shall deter the roof man from getting the roof, you know? Right. You know? Right. And you can vent the fire too, obviously that's when you're not on the roof, you know, you're actually doing uh, the venting process for the engine guys and your fellow ladder company members. But as you said, you had to get the nail on the head. You are the eyes and ears. And sometimes you can see something that, you know, the guys on the ground can't see. I remember to your, to your point, I recall my interview with Hank last year, where he was saying that he was on the roof surveying and he sees a guy, he's not yelling, he's not screaming. It was an elderly guy just saying, you know, waving, saying, hey, I'm here, can you help me out? As calm as can be. But the fact is, the guys in the ground, because of the smoke condition, didn't see that, whereas yeah. the roof man did. So, you know, you got to be eagle-eyed to be a roof man. And I think it results in not only many great rescues, but again, like I said earlier, being able to mitigate so many problems for the guys on the ground. Yeah, and then sometimes, well, it, you know, the more season you be. And we lost Jeff again. Uh, and, 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 and yeah i don't know why that cut out i have no idea what i cut out it just went i seen it you know so i don't know why, why it did that but that um nice. you know um you are you know with experience and the chiefs knowing you you know that they'll give you a little more trust you know like hey chief give us a couple more minutes you know i mean you know whether it's you know jeff or tony or whoever up on the roof you know i mean if he knows you and he trusts you you know then they'll give you a little more time but that's all with communication too, you know, it's like, you know, I mean, that goes from, you know, saving a building to losing a building, you know, mm -hmm. so, you know. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, what's what's Louis Refrano, our mutual friend? What's his line? We didn't do so good here. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> you end up losing the building that way, of course. Yeah. Um, you know, I will say, moving ahead to like 97, 98, 
when Downey officially put sock in place in 98, 61, squad 61 goes to the Bronx. It was engine 61, then it became squad 61. Same thing with, uh, you know, 41 too. You know, they were also in the Bronx. So given, you know, what you were doing, obviously as a, as a trunk, trunk, truck company guy, having a lot of success there, having a lot of fun, you, know, you were happy where you were, but did 41 and 61 ever reach out to you and say, hey, do you want to come here? So, you know, I knew, I knew guys in both, uh, well, 41, you know, uh, first, and then when 61 came online and it's funny you asked that is because, you know, Joey was one of the chart, Joey DiBenardo, uh, was one of the charter members in squad 61. And, um, so chief D the one day he stops by 15, 19, he has roll call on the apron and, uh, you know, he talks to the men and, and when he's done, you know, he dismisses us and he says, Hey Jeff, can I talk to you? And, uh, I said, yeah, Chief, you know, he's, of course, you're the deputy, you know, you're the division commander. What am I going to say? No. He says, hey, you know, Joey's, you know, having a real good time in Squad 61, you know. He went to X amount of jobs in his last 24, forced X amount of doors, blah, blah, blah. He goes, what do you think? You want to go to Squad? And uh, at the time, you know, like I thought I was doing, you know, at least 20 years in 19 truck. You know, I was on um, – I mean, there was talk about me getting, uh, you know, going to show up to school and getting a seat in, uh, in 19. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, a lot of guys were, you know, molding me to be one of the senior men there. And, um, and, I, and that's not me blowing smoke. I'm telling you, more, more than one of my former coworkers and, and one of my former lieutenants, Brian McFarland, uh, that I have the utmost respect for, you know, he, he was really hurt when I left 19 truck. You know, he told me. Uh, but, uh, so I told chief D I said, you know, I think about it, but in the meanwhile, in the back of my mind, I'm going, I'm not, I'm not leaving here, you know? Um, and then, you know, who could foresee and, and the, and, uh, the ball of the future, what was going to, you know, transpire in our world in New York city, you know? Um, so, you know, I, I, I said, I, you know what, like it was kudos to those guys that did it, you know? Um, but you know, it wasn't for me right then and there, you know, I was, uh, Actually, I, I had uh, I had about eight months in a book studying for lieutenant, mm -hmm. um, and when I was in 19 truck, and um, I was studying with a lot of guys. They call them Starfleet, you know. Uh, a lot of these guys, uh, um, you know, retired as battalion chiefs. Some of them are are still battalion chiefs, uh, 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 deputies, you know, blah blah blah, you know, um, and. Uh, yeah, and, I'm, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but uh, I said to my wife one day, you know, I, I really enjoy, you know, being a fireman. I really enjoy being a 19 truck. She goes, well, then close the books, you know, and I close the books, you know, and I don't look back on that. You know, it's, uh, um, you know, uh, I was uh, I was happy being a fireman in 19 truck, you know. Yeah. And I've said this before, you know, talking with both guys from the FD and the PD, that you can be just as content as simply staying a police officer, never moving up in the ranks or staying as simply as a firefighter, never moving up in the ranks in the same precinct or in the same firehouse, because look at where you're working. You're not working in Timbuktu. You're working in New York City. There's always going to be something to do. Yeah. And you can have a, more than enough of your fill in a 20 or 25, 30 year career just staying exactly where you are. And you loved where you are. So why leave? It makes total sense. Yeah, I was I was, uh, you know, I was like I, I was like. This is uh, my castle, you know. I was yeah. Like, uh, 
it's a great place to be. Great yeah. neighborhood. And speaking of the neighborhood, you know, when people think of community, like, you know, like I said, with the police department, there's community policing. And that kind of makes sense if you're watching the cops walk around, work the beat. But the firehouse is just an integral part of the community as the precinct is. You know, they see you, too, because not only when, you know, when you're first due or you go and runs, you know, in other neighborhoods, the first neighborhood that you're designed to protect and assist is that one, not just on yeah. fires, but CFRD runs and other things. So tell me about, you know, your uh, Truck 19's role and you know, being with the community and getting the chance to interact with them besides, of course, the tragic situations. Yeah, well, it, uh, some good, some bad, you know, um, you know, but at the end of the day, I mean, I can tell you that I have the utmost respect for uh, the people that I protected. You know, it's, uh, you know, I mean, it, it's a depressed area, you know, um, and I, I use this term uh, not that long ago. I was working with the fire department. I, I, I'm not going to name that department, but I use the term ghetto that I was a ghetto firefighter. And there was a lieutenant that took, uh, that was at this department that took offense to it. I'm like, I wear that as a badge of honor, you know, that I was a ghetto firefighter. I go, I chose to work in that area. You know, I could have transferred, you know, to lower Manhattan, you know, worked in a village or whatever, worked out in a financial district, but I wanted to work, you know, where I could, you know, help serve people, you know, um, you know, the best of, to my ability. And I like going to fires. I didn't want to see somebody's house burn up. But you know what? Anytime I crawled down a hallway um, or hung on a rope, I didn't look at the color of the skin or the sex, you know, of that person. You know, I mean, I was happy to help them, you know, and it is a very depressed area. Probably one of the, you know, at the time, one of the most depressed areas in the city. And, um, you know, there were shootings and, you know, stabbings and, um, you know, listen, the night I got off probation, the 4th of July, 1993. So I came on the 5th of July, 1992. Uh, we were back in into quarters and um, uh, we had a blockbuster thrown at us as both rigs are backing into quarters. And it blew up like right in between us. Uh, you know, two of my buddies, um, it, 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 uh, it really hurt their eardrums. You know, it was, it was, you know, like a stick of dynamite that was thrown at us. And I've had spackle buckets thrown off the roofs at us, you know, like we're we're extinguishing, you know, a car fire and airmail. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, if it would have hit one of us, it would have killed us. And uh, we had a cinder block thrown off uh, off one of the project roofs. It went into the to the roof of 19 truck. It pushed in the uh, the roof of uh, the rear mount, you know. Um, but at the same time, you know, it never stopped me for interacting with people, you know. I mean, and you know, I. I at some point in time, you know, you get a little more street smart, you know, who you can talk to and who you can't talk to. And, um, but, you know, I always help the kids out, you know, and it, they, you know, they, they ring it, you know, always ringing the doorbell, banging on the door. Hey, you know, Mr. Fireman, can you put air in our tire? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you help these kids and, you know, a lot of them are from broken families and, you know, you just try to, to shape, you know, in some way shape that kid and leave a positive impression on them, you know, um, and, you know, that's what we did, you know, it was, uh, you know, I listen, after 9-11, we've seen, we've seen so much, you know, like, you know, people from all walks of life, you know, banging on firehouse doors and the same thing with the precincts, you know, bringing food, bringing cards, just saying, you know, hey, you know, I, you know, I, you know, I'm sorry, is there anything I could do for you, you know, and, you know, and that's what it's about, you know, it's, uh, you know, that's a two-way street, you know.
So. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing, I, I'm surprised you, you guys get or got airmail in those days because I can under, I'm not saying it's right. I can understand why they would throw it at the police because it's an adversarial thing in that dynamic. But I'm you guys, you guys are going to help people. There's no arrest going on there. I mean, unless it's a citizen's arrest, you know, you see somebody mugging an old lady or something like that. Nine, ten times out of ten, not even nine times out of ten, ten times out of ten, you're going to help them. So why are they chucking stuff at you? I don't, I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a, it was a tough neighborhood, you know. Yeah. We love you as he throws cinder block yeah, off, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> off the roof and it hits the ring. We're talking with Jeff Cole. This is volume uh, 25, uh, the milestone volume 25 of The Best of the Brave. It's a quarter of century now of volumes for this uh, miniseries. I started last year with the help of my friend Ray Seeley, of course, another another uh, sock guy, as you were for a period of time. Uh, he was in 270 and later on 288. So I guess that brings us just quickly before I get to you going to Rescue 3. Were you off duty initially on 9-11? So I finished my 24 uh, on the uh, the night of the 10th. So, okay. uh, so I, yes, I was, I was home. Um, um, you know, I, so my big guy now, he's 25 years old. He's uh, He works in Station 17 uh, on Ogden Avenue uh, with EMS, you know. Mm-hmm. And he's got his sights on a job. You know, he's waiting for it. He's a... He's a paramedic on the outside, and uh, he was a Myrtle Beach firefighter. But anyway, uh, that morning, um, and and my youngest, uh, he's 22. He was born in uh, uh, 2000. Uh, oh, my age. So, yeah, I was born yeah, in 2002. Yeah, yeah so, uh, you know, two young kids at home, and, you know, my wife, and uh, I'm watching Disney with uh, my wife and, and my son, Jeff, and uh, a commercial comes on. Um, and... Uh, I do the, you know, typical nail thing, change the channel, you know, see what else is on. You know, I got to turn it back because he's going to freak out. But uh, anyway, you know, I see that, the, you know, the first plane is impacted, you know, Trade Center. And uh, I started getting, you know, getting ready to go even before the total recall. Uh, and my wife is crying. Jeff's crying. He doesn't know why he's crying, but he's crying, you know. And uh, um, I took off like, at a, you know, like a bat out of hell. Um, uh I had a Toyota Corolla at the time, you know, that was my, my commuter car to the city. Um, being a, um, a military guy, I was thinking secondary targets and, um, I normally would go over the George Washington bridge. I said, I'm going to go over the Tattensy bridge, you know, that spans between, uh, Westchester and Rockland. Um, um, I guess fortunately for myself, I didn't have, uh, a lot of gas in my car. I had to get gas. I was almost out of gas. So I had to stop in Nyack and get gas um, quickly, you know, like a pit stop, uh, jump on the Tappan Zee Bridge. I'm on a Tappan Zee Bridge and the state police shut the bridge down. I'm on the Westchester side of the bridge and they shut the bridge down with us on it. You know, there's cops and firemen and other emergency personnel on the bridge. And we're looking south into Manhattan. It's a crystal clear day and you can see the towers burning and, uh, so they were thinking secondary device, but they shut us, shut the bridge down with us on it, you know, and, uh, you know, we stood out there. I don't know how many minutes we stood out there. It was, it was pretty quick, but it was eerie, you know, and, and then it was, it was go time again, you know, so hundred miles an hour and a Toyota Corolla, I get in a fight with a, with a local on the, believe it or not that day going in, going into the Bronx, you know, um, doesn't want to let me go. You know, I'm trying to get to the firehouse as fast as I can. I get to the firehouse uh, and um, I see uh, two six battalion coming out of quarters, but I don't stop them because I'm I'm not, I'm not a chief, I'm not an aide, 
uh, I'm, I'm thinking 19 or 50s in the in the house, uh, not thinking they're down down at the trade center or relocated. And uh, I get in the house and I'm the first off duty member in the house. There's nobody else there. The house is empty, you know. And um, so uh, every you know shortly after, guys start filling in into 15, 19, and and they start a mustering area, you know? Um, so we had to report into a, to the division and, um, I was part of the sixth division, you know, 1519 is. And, uh, so we go over to, uh, one five, five and Melrose and there's hundreds of guys standing out in the street, you know, uh, guys looking for their, for their, um, coworkers, their brother coworkers and guys physically looking for their brothers that they can't get a hold of. You know, like I was standing there with, uh, with Joe and Bobby Ginley, um, and they couldn't find their brother John that day. And John was working, and and John was lost that day. You know, but it was it was it was eerie, you know, to stand there. Um, and at the same time, you know, there's fighters, you know, that I'm quite familiar with, you know, uh, you know, Air Force fighters flying over to South Bronx. You know, I mean, you know, low ceiling, you know, um, and uh, that's something you don't see. You know, it was it was it was real eerie. You know. Yeah, a lot of good men lost that day. And you look at Sox specifically. I remember talking about this with Chief Norman. I think of the 343 that got killed at the Trade Center when the towers came down. 97, almost 100 alone were from Sox. Squad six, Squad 61 was saved because they weren't sent right away. And 270, same thing. But all the other squads that went on the first alarm, uh, you know, a lot of their guys did not make it back. I, I think of all the squads and rescues, only one guy from Rescue 5, and that's because they sent him back to go move a truck at the last second. He lived, whereas everybody else, of course, uh, perished. And that's not the note you want to go into a rescue company on. You'd rather be you'd rather be that somebody retired after a nice long career, and that's that. But, you know, Sock was decimated, and so that leads to your entry in October of 01. Uh, just getting there. Getting into a rescue company is tough enough as it is, no matter how much experience you have because of the – you know, vaunted history of the rescue companies of New York City. But to go there on that note, how how much tougher did it make, or did it make it easier given the fact that the guys had just been through the worst moment of their lives? It wasn't easy. It was it was it was one of the hardest things I ever did. You know, but uh, uh, when I say that, you know, that's uh, I don't know. That's uh, one of the hardest things I ever did. But you know, meanwhile, these guys just lost their friends, their brothers. You know, and uh, you know, um, there was, I, I lost 33 friends that day, you know, and, Sarah. and, you know, I, I knew that, uh, uh thank you. Um, you know, I knew 97 guys and, you know, in sock were lost. And, uh, one of my buddies, Tommy Foley, uh, from rescue three, uh, was, you know, he was, he was part of that. And I, and, uh, you know, that he was lost that day. And, um, you know, I, I talked to my wife and I said, you know, I think I'm going to, you know, go have an interview and, you know, I'm going to throw my hat in the ring uh, for uh, either, uh, well, predominantly rescue three, you know, that that's where I really wanted to be, you know, I mean, um, you know, I was asked, would I go other, other places? And I'm like, well, I really want to go to rescue three. And um, so uh, um, I was, I was at home and I get a phone call from uh, Ralph Tizo and uh, I'm not far. I'm sorry. First, I don't know how this happened. I, I don't know how my name got up to Rescue Three, but I had an interview with Ralph Tizo, the captain of Rescue Three. And I don't know if you know who Ralph Tizo is, but a highly decorated fireman, 
Um, you know, he's got the uh, the Mexican general's starter kit, you know, with a stack of medals like this. A small guy in, uh, in height, um, but just, you know, to me, uh, uh, an intimidating guy. And, and I don't mean because he's a... It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. He's, uh, I'm trying to use uh, a word, not use bad, bad language, you know, not that, uh, that he's a, a tool or anything, you know, he's just, he's intimidating because of who he is, you know, he carries himself, you know, um, in, in, a, in a great, uh, you, you don't want to let him down. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to let him down. So anyway, you know, um, I had this interview on whatever day it was, but it's set up that I got to go to rescue three. And I'm, as I'm going in for a night tour of the 19 truck. So I had my interview with, uh, with uh, Captain Tizo and Rescue 3. And Rescue 3 is not in quarters. Uh, they're down at Trade Center. And, um, and I go in and I have the interview. And uh, I had an ulcer. I swear to God, I got an ulcer that day from, you know, sitting here with him, you know, doing this. And then to go into 19 at night and then to hold everything inside. And I couldn't say anything that I was, that I was going to Rescue 3. Like a couple, well, that I was thinking about going to Rescue 3. And um, a couple weeks later, I get a phone call. You know, um, I'm one of the first guys to go to Rescue 3 um, uh, post 9-11. And uh, I'm there with uh, it was it was my myself, Stevie Nasso from uh, from 33 truck and Pat McKenna from 45 truck. You know, two busy truck companies. Uh, we're the first three guys that they bring over from outside of uh, outside of SOC, you know. And um, some guys came from the squads to help out there, you know, like uh, like Jeremy Castle and Joe Light, you know. But we were the first first of the guys that were from the outside coming in. And basically, we're you know we're I mean we're sitting in a dead guy's chair, if you will, you know, seat chair, whatever. Uh, it was it was tough tough place to be, you know. I mean because you know now you got to prove yourself. You got to prove yourself as a fireman. You got to prove yourself that you belong here, that you're a rescue firefighter, you know, that you got the guts, the balls, you know, the the know-how, uh, the stamina. And, you know, I mean, that time we were going from, you know, we were going to school. We were going to fires. We were going to the trade center, you know, digging, you know, for, for our fellow brothers and our, Amer- you know, fellow Americans. And we were going to funerals. And that was just like, it was like a blur for like, I mean, it was like 10 months, you know, whatever it was. It was just like, I was gone. I was checked out from the family, you know. I mean, you, you just lost out on a lot, you know. But, uh, you know, I do it all again, you know. It was just, uh, 
yeah. yeah, that 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 period from well that day up until like at least early 2003, that was like a blur in all the wrong ways yeah. because of what had happened. You know, for, you talk to a lot of guys, half of them don't even remember 2002 except for little scant moments here and there because so much of it was spent at the pile. Then once the pile closed down, all the anniversary ceremonies and things like that. 01 to 03, I don't, I don't even think things got back to some semblance of okay, we're back to business as usual until like what 04. Probably, probably. And then my career started, you know, and that was that was probably my best year, you know. I mean, 2004, you know. Because, I mean, probably at that stage, you're at the, you get a dozen years in the job. You're you're at the apex of your experience. You've been a Bronx fireman your whole career. You're in Rescue 3. And quick note on that, because Rescue 3 is so cool, and I talked about this with Chief Norman, and that now every rescue has a collapse rig assigned to it. You guys were ahead of the curve. You guys had the collapse rig before anybody else did. And you guys are regarded, at least, not just in New York City, but across the nation as not only pioneers, but experts in the art of collapse rescue. So are there any specific building collapses? Because sometimes, listen, snow is in the winter, heavy snow on the rooftop, construction goes bad. Are there any particular collapses you can recall going to where that rig came in handy, you were able to make a rescue? Uh, well, I, I, I don't have any of those, you know, the, you know, the trench collapses and stuff like that, but I, you know, I, I did, I worked with the guys that were pioneers and all that, you know, and, you know, uh, evolving the collapse rescue part, you know, I mean, I mean, you can look at, you know, I mean, Chief Downey was, you know, he was at the, uh, he was at the helm of everything, you know, you know, yes, making it, you know, making it go, but, you know, but, you know, guys like, uh, you know, uh, John O'Connell, uh, you know, Nicky Giordano, um, you know, those, those guys, they were there, they were doing it, they were teaching us, you know, and, you know, it was like learning. I mean, you know, I mean, I did some shoring jobs and stuff, but, you know, nothing, nothing that was like, you know, spectacular that we made, you know, made a rescue, but it was, I mean, the tools that we had, I mean, and the tools that they have today, you know, I mean, I, I was like, I was like, these are great tools, stuff that we could do, you know, I mean, we could, you know, punch holes in concrete, you know, and, you know, um, you know, we had listening devices that you could hear somebody, you know, just a slight tap, you know, uh, trapped in rubble, um, you know, cameras and. Yep. All right. Back to tap dancing while we wait for Jeff to return. He'll be back quickly. I'm sure I'm going to pull up the collapse rescue rig, uh, momentarily as we wait for Jeff to come back. It's volume 25 of the best of the bravest and here's Jeff again. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna blame this on uh, Xfinity, you know? That's Maybe, I, yeah. Well, that's who I have here for my. Uh... <laughs> it might be me because it's raining, you know, and you know maybe it's affecting the signal. It might be me. Who knows? Yeah, I, I don't know, but you know, I mean, they say that we could have some storms down here tonight at the beach, but who knows? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Tomorrow, tomorrow, I'm actually gonna go see uh, uh, real quick that I'm at the beach. I'm gonna go see uh, Captain Bob Farrell. Uh, ah. from, uh, uh, yeah, I'm gonna go visit with Bob. Uh, tomorrow um that was uh, captain of 31 truck back in the day uh, mm. uh you know um great guy batman you know so <laughs> tell him i said hello and give him my number i, I want to get him on the show well uh, i'll try my best you know i know another uh podcast is trying and they uh yes no yes they yet. certainly are <laughs> i often but, say yeah. first you if you're a fireman you go on their show and then you know you lower yourself down about 10 15 yeah. notches and you come <laughs> down to my little show <laughs> You know? Well, I was I was number six on that other show, you know, and that's yes. evolved a lot, you know. It has, and, uh, you know, it's uh, it's good stuff, you know. Um, you know, primarily I do this. It's not to talk about me, you know. It's uh, 
it's you know to talk about my brothers the guys that i work with the guys that have gone before me you know and the charity work that i do today you know so that's uh that's that's that you know but i'll let you go like back to to rescue three now you're asking you're asking about collapse now and hopefully we don't lose the signal again you know? no i was just i just wanted to pull up the rig because i love the collapse rig this was a photo yeah. originally taken in 97 yeah. and it's yeah. a thumbnail for this podcast and again so yeah. many tools on it it's not as big as the other uh, rescue rigs that you would see but nevertheless it can really come in handy when you're it's, in a collapse scenario yeah it's a home depot or Lowe's on wheels you know I mean, it, had a, it really it had everything on it you know um you know, and, uh, you know, I was a show for uh, a collapse show for, um, and it was, uh, I was, a, <laughs> if you get back it in uh, the first time, uh, um, uh, Lieutenant Kevin Williams used to buy you lunch. If you get back it in on the first shot, our quarters is very tight. You know, it was like, it was like inches on either side of the mirror to, to put it in, you know, one of the, uh, one of the oldest firehouses in the city. It was uh, 46 engines, uh, uh, original firehouse, I believe. And, uh, you know, it was it was built for the horses. You know, so right, right. Big Blue, as they call. It. I wonder. Where, I wonder where the name came from, Big Blue. Uh, you know what? I don't know quite where the name Big Blue came from, but I, I believe Pete Ortel, uh, he was a lieutenant in uh, in Rescue Three. Um, he had something to do with it, and I know at one time that they were talking about doing away with that uh, that uh, logo, and uh, and it was another engine company or truck company over in Harlem, I believe, that said, you know, no, that, that's when they see Big Blue come and they know the fire is going to go out, you know. <laughs> and you know what? That could be lore, you know. I'm not blowing smoke, you know, but it, it could be lore. But I do know Pete Ortel, and he's a tremendous artist, you know. Um, I didn't work with him as a firefighter, but, I mean, the guy can draw, you know, carve, uh, sculpt. He's just amazing, you know. So, And he's the guy that, that did the, uh, the original Big Blue, so. I, I want to talk for a second about details uh, because, of course, you know, rescues are part of SOC. They were absorbed in the SOC when Chief Downey formed it in 98. Besides, of course, the squads in the Bronx, 41 and 61. Uh, and this is a two-pronged question because I want to talk about other separate details in a moment. What squads did you enjoy or other rescues did you enjoy being detailed to? <laughs> um, so I worked in uh, every one uh, of the rescues except Rescue 2. Um, and... Uh, I don't know why I never ended up in rescue too, you know, so, the rescue uh, as they call it. Yeah. Themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> no, listen, I got a lot of friends, you know, I, I mean, listen, Liam and I've been friends before, before rescue, you know, Liam Flaherty and um, he was in 44 truck when I was in 19, you know, but that's one I never worked in, but um, I liked working in Manhattan. You know, I was like, I, I like to work in, uh, in squad 18, you know, um, yep. cause it was, uh, it was different, you know, going down there, going down in the village and stuff. And that was, especially on a night tour, you know, because it was like, all right, you know, we, we could, you know, get something down here. But then it was also just, uh, you know, checking out the show down there. It was it was a good show to be seen, you know, outside of uh, the South Bronx, you know, it's like, right. But uh, yeah, I don't know. There was I, I had fun everywhere I went, you know, um, you know, and rescue one. You know, they'd like to bust your chops and make you, you know, turn the radio up as loud as they could, you know, but I enjoyed working there too. You know, it's just uh, anywhere in sock, you know, I never worked in the boats, you know, so uh, I couldn't tell you too much about the boats, but, you know, uh, yeah, a lot of, a lot of fun. And hey, listen, I got friends all over the job, you know, so. 
And I do like that about the job that they will, because it's so good for camaraderie, getting detailed to other places because you can see how they work. I know guys will tell me just for travel purposes, it was a little tough going to Staten Island. Not that they didn't like Staten Island, but it's a bit of a haul from where you might be. But even then, going to Rescue 5, and now, of course, you have Squad 8, which was just recently formed. It's good for guys because each borough, same city, obviously, but each borough brings its own unique set of challenges. And and that was what's really cool, you know, like like, uh, you know, like if 9-11 didn't happen, I don't know if I would have made the move to go somewhere else. But, you know, unfortunately, 9-11 happened. And fortunately for me, it, it allowed me to see the rest of the job, you know, to really open my eyes to it, you know. And, and, and that's one thing I would say to to a young firefighter, you know, not necessarily, you know, to, you know, run right to sock, but, you know, experience the other boroughs and see what they're about, you know. Take a detail, you know, if there's a detail somewhere, you know, to the Marine unit or whatever, just see, see what it's about. See, you know, maybe it's something for you. I mean, listen, I'm all about being on an online firefighter. I'm not, uh, I'm not a coward, you know, um, you know, there's, there's, there's plenty of guys that want to hide somewhere and, you know, be offline, you know, and um, I, I want to be with, you know, I want to be with a game firefighters, you know, and, and that's what SOC is, you know, it's a game firefighters, you know, I mean, you know, it's, it's, there's no, there's nowhere to hide there, you know, because it's, it's, it's going to come out real quick, you know. Right, of course, of course. <laughs> Reminds me of an old line, Bob Gallio and a rescue two guy. Yeah. Called, and when I asked him, and I love Bob, he's a good man, good friend of mine. Well, you know, when you got the squads coming in, I, they got two five two, and I think that they get one two squad one in Brooklyn, in ninety eight when it was formed. You know, he's like, but did you like it because you had extra help? He's like, no, I called them my little yellow friends. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I know. I know Bobby more uh, after after the job, you know. But yeah, he's he's funny. You know? Yeah, great guy, great guy. Uh, Hopefully, I can see him soon if he's up for some good old New Haven pizza, as we've been trying to do. And the other thing, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the other thing about details too is you know sometimes you get to go to the concerts. You got Yankee Stadium in the Bronx. Maybe you get to go to that, especially for the playoff games. Any interesting experiences on that end? I mean, I've done I've done the um, the watch McCall the. Um, the hammer teams, you know, work in subway series and stuff like that. You know, it's, it, I guess it's cool, you know, but I, I it, nothing crazy, you know, that was going on, you know, I mean, we were running all over the city doing that, you know, but, uh, uh, you know, nothing, nothing spectacular. I'm sorry. I don't have a great story there. That's I got right. other, I got other stories for you, but you know, not there. Sure. You know, well, hit me with those. Yeah. So, well, I guess, you know, like 2004, I mean, that was like, that was the pinnacle of my career. You know, it's, uh, you know, um, it's something that I never thought was going to happen to me. It just kind of fell into my lap, you know, and, uh, um, you know, uh, June 12, 2004, um, um, Bobby Engel, uh, tree, trio, uh, dispatcher three, three, Oh, in the Bronx starts rescue three out on, uh, on a fire. Um, I forget the exact address on Brooklyn Boulevard. But uh, it sounds like there's going to be a roof rope rescue right from the get-go. You know, he sounds, you know, it, it sounds bad. And, uh, you know, we start out over there and uh, um, uh, Chief Corrigan from the 1-7 is uh, acting deputy chief that night. And, uh, you know, we pull up. Kevin Williams is the boss in Rescue 3. And, and I got the rope. And uh, he says, Rescue 3, I need you on the roof. Uh, it looks like uh, it looks like there's going to be a you know, roof rope rescue up there. And... Uh, you know, we walk up a four-story uh, adjacent, get up on a roof. I look over uh, 
I see 42 trucks setting up a, a, a roof rope evolution. I go over to the firefighter. I says, are you good? You know, um, you know, that's the way we were in rescue three. We didn't step on, step on anybody, a gentleman's rescue. We made sure that they knew what they were doing. Yes, I have it. I look over the shit, you know, he's got it. I look over the shaft and, uh, there's two different people hanging out the window and, uh, there's a, there's a male hanging out of one apartment window and it's a female, the evolution that they're starting, uh, starting on. And, uh, so the, uh, the bulkheads on fire, we have nowhere to tie off to up there. And Richie Bailey's my, my partner. Um, I look over at Richie and, uh, I said, Hey, Richie, uh, I said, you know, I'm going to be going over and Kevin Williams is right there by me. And, uh, he says, where are we tying off to? I said, we're not tying off. I said, you know, you, I'm going to, you're going to take the turns on your hook and uh, I'm going to hook in and uh, we're going to go over. And um, basically it's, it's an open shaft. Um, if you will, I know it's kind of, kind of hard, you know, it's, it's, it's like this, you know, it's an open shaft. So there's a, there's a, there's a, a, a lady over here and there's a guy here. And um, this evolution is, is going um you know the guys the guys in in the loops um getting ready to go over and uh we're setting up our evolution um no substantial object and um with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky <gasps> No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I won't name the company or the firefighter, but he steps out of the loops uh, where the lady was. And... Um, Pat McKenna from uh, Rescue Three steps in the loops. Um, you know, somebody's got to go get this this lady. And at the same time, uh, there is a picture of both of us sitting on a parapet. Um, you know, it's from a distance, shot from an adjacent building. And uh, we both go over to the side of the parapet and we pick off uh, uh, a male victim and a female victim. Um, according to Kevin Williams, and he was the senior uh, uh uh guy in sock when he retired forget how many years uh he had um he said it's the first time a simultaneous roof rope rescue took place wow yeah it was a side by side you know i mean you know you can look back you know with uh with patty browns and kevin shays and uh you know um uh, you know um that was a tremendous it was a high profile job it was a ballsy job excuse me you know but it was you know, that's what it was, you know, but at the same time, you know, uh, this one went off without a hitch, you know, like, um, you know, it's, it's training outside the box. Um, and, uh, and, you know, me knowing how to do this, it started back in 19 truck, you know, to go over without a substantial object. And we train on it as sock firefighters, you know, um, um, but Steve Luisi, um, that's the captain of 44 truck. He was a covering boss, you know, bouncing around the rocks uh, as a lieutenant. He was a great guy. You know, he was always training, training this way, training that way. And he covered a lot in 19 truck. You know, he always wanted to, you know, he wasn't too much on building inspection at the time, you know, but, uh, um, you know, he's like, let's train, 
you know, let's train, let's train, let's train. And uh, always training outside the box to know how, how, how to do this. And, uh, you know, like he was there with me, not physically that day, but mentally he was there doing this, you know, with me to make sure that it went right. And uh, amongst, you know, with, with the team I had on the roof, because it's, you know, they say dope on a rope, right? So Patty and, <laughs> yeah. Patty and Jeff are the dopes on a rope, you know, but at, at the same time, the brains that are, you know, setting up the evolution and lowering the guys are there. They got to know how to make it work. But um, anyway, um, you know, I get, I get a medal for this uh, uh, on medal day. And I'll just speed forward on that real quick. It's just because Stevie Luis, he's there at Gaelic Park. And, uh, you know, I just, you know, I went up to him, I hugged him and, uh, you know, we're, we're just talking and uh, I'm like, yeah, you were there with me, brother. You know, you taught me this, you know, and, and that was a big, that was a big thing. It was a big sense of, uh, of accomplishment. You know, like, you know, I came to Rescue 3 October 5th of 01. And I think that we really proved ourselves that day, you know, that we could, as a unit, we could operate. It's not just me and Patty. It's a unit operating and we made it work, you know, and I, I think that was, and, it, it, you know, that year uh, in 2004, uh, Danny Foley uh, made a, a confined space uh, rescue. Um, it was, uh, I had a guy was caught in some type of fuel tank. He was in the fuel tank and he was overcome by fumes and, and Danny made a, a brave rescue. You know, he went in on air, um, you know, with the, um, the dark cart that we had, you know, like breathing air, you know, cause you can't wear an SCBA in there. You gotta have like a confined space air. And, uh, anyway, he goes in and he makes a rescue. So rescue three that year, um, made three high-profile rescues in 2004, you know, and uh, I don't know, you think you think somebody from downtown or the mayor's office would have seen it, you know, and say, hey, you know what, this is this is a good thing, you know, like what, what these guys are doing, you know, I mean, it's, it's showing that the department is moving on, you know, and uh, with all that experience that we lost, and we'll never gain that experience back again, but they are operating, you know, to, you know, to, uh, to a high standard, if you will, you know, and, um, um, you know, so I got a medal for that, you know, um, and it was, it really was the pinnacle of my career. Cause it was, uh, it was, you know, shortly, you know, six, seven months later that my career would come into a crashing halt. But, uh, um, I'm working in, um, 29 truck. Uh, I get detailed from rescue three outside the command, which is not very common, you know? So we were, we were heavy that day. The command was heavy. So they detailed me to 29 truck, uh, um, in the South Bronx, you know, and, uh, I got a 29 truck welling, you know, it's a day tour and, uh, I'm there. It's an uneventful day. And, uh, um, the phone rings and firefighter cool rescue three, you know, pick up the phone, my phone, I pick up the phone, firefighter cool. Hey, Jeff, it's Ralph Tizo. Now this is, my captain that took me to, to rescue three that's since retired. Remember the guy had a stack of medals like this. He goes, my whole career, my whole, he goes, I'm so proud of you. My whole career. He goes, all I wanted to do was make a roof rope rescue and you did it. He goes, I'm so proud of you. And that was better than getting a medal. You know, it was just cause you get that, that kudos from, you know, from your captain, you know, and he since retired, he retired, you know, uh, prior to that, you know, so he wasn't there to physically see it, but he did come to metal day, you know, so. You know. 
and the dog's proud of it too. <laughs> oh, you can hear my dog. Yeah, that's uh, well. I have one dog. Uh, I have two dogs. My my one dog is uh, he's named Joey, and uh, he's named after Joey DiBenardo, my boys. And he's uh, he's a service dog without being a service dog, and he's getting ready to turn six. And then I have another one that's Toby, and he's uh, he's uh, he's a rescue. You know, I've had him two years now. You know, and two sheep of doodles. You know. So. I've got my nephew, my fur nephew, as I call him. He's a toy poodle, and and we watch him often. You know, my sister's off at work or whatever, and Monday is usually my sleep-in day, and he had slept over the night before, and he's the only person that can do this in the world, and I won't get mad at, you know, because it's 7 o'clock. I'm sleeping until 9, usually on a Monday, and all I hear is barking, barking, barking downstairs, and I go downstairs, and I'm like, what is it? And he just looks at it. He just jumps off the couch. He starts giving me face licks. He's just happy to see me, and I'm like, all right, you know what? When you look at that face, you just got to let it slide. You yeah, can't yeah. get upset. Yeah, you know, they're, absolutely. They're, the dogs are the best. They're the best. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Garrett Lingren saying Ralph Tiso was a great fire officer. I don't doubt it. Oh, don't absolutely. Uh, so, you know, that day, as you, as you, and you talked about the Black Sunday fire a lot. The last time that there was an incident in New York City where two first responders, where multiple first responders were killed on the same day in separate incidents, you may recall the Hoban Busick incident with the NYPD in 1988 were separate incidents. They were making undercover uh, drug bust. Uh, they were shot and killed. And that was a tragic day in 1988 for the NYPD. And something eerily similar happens in 2005. And this is post, not, obviously excluding 9-11, this is arguably the worst day in FDNY history. And as you said, it had a significant impact on your career. Take me through, I guess, the fire that day and you know your resolve in recovery. So, uh, you know, um, the, uh, I, I came into work the night of, you still hear me? Okay. Yeah. I stay here. I feel like, I know it's like, um, I come in to work on the night of the 22nd of January and, uh, Nor'easter is hitting, um, the, uh, the Northeast and, um, um, I'm talking to my neighbor across the street. Uh, he's a battalion chief today, John Gormley, but, uh, at the time, uh, you know, he was a, it was a Holland firefighter and, you know, we're just, we're just shooting, shooting it, you know, like, Hey, you know, well, I guess the wives are going to have to take care of the snow tonight, you know, blah, 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 you know? And of course my wife's like, every time it snows, you, you know, you're going into work, you know, and uh, going to work that night, kind of, a you know, couple runs, uh, good meal, you know, um, Joey's Joey Devin auto's working. So it's a lot of fun. It's always, you know, he's a, he's, he's got a, he had a sixth sense of humor, you know, so I was always, always laughing at, at, you know, I have a sixth sense of humor also. And, uh, you know, my wife still says today, you know, uh, you know, uh, is, oh, coming up on 18 years now, uh, since I've been in a firehouse, it's, uh, you know, you're not in a firehouse anymore. You know, it's like, <laughs> stop, stop. You know, I hear it. I hear it once or twice a week, you know, but anyway, um, you know, we got a couple of, uh, small, uh, uh runs that night and uh you know got a few winks you know rested our eyes and uh we're up early that morning then the morning of january 23rd 2005 uh first smoke walk we come back in uh to the kitchen um drinking coffee solving the world's problems you know um as you know most firehouses do i don't know maybe they could still do that i don't know solve the world's problems i don't know if it's <laughs> uh but Anyway, you know, a lot of uh, uh, ball breaking and, uh, you know, the department radio's on and we hear, uh, you know, we hear this job come in. It, um, well, it, it sounds like a job, 
you know, and it, it turns out to be a job, uh, not knowing that for some of us, it's going to be our last one, you know, um, an eerie thing. Um, I, I don't know if I've said this in any podcast before is that, uh, we're riding on rescue three's rig that, uh, the brothers rode to on their last run on, uh, nine 11. So we're on that rig. And, um, Anyway, we responded to 236 uh, East 178th Street in uh, the Morris Heights section of the Bronx. Um, 1075 has been transmitted. Um, it's uh, it's a, a, a four-story uh, 40 by 90, uh, non-fireproof, uh, multiple dwelling, uh, three apartments per floor. And we got about a foot of snow on the ground. Wind is blowing in excess of 45 miles an hour. Temperature is in the teens. Um, you know, there's one thing to have a fire. And I always call them monkey wrenches. You know, like these these little things, they just keep throwing them in. Here's another thing. 40, you know, 45 mile an hour winds. You know, wind-driven fire. Uh, temperatures in the low teens. That means hydrants are going to freeze. Hoses are going to freeze. Slipping, you know. Uh, foot of snow, delayed response. And, uh, you know, we get into this fire um, and we report it to the chief. And uh, the chief tells, uh, you know, rescue, he goes, I want your inside team to the top floor to assist the truck company on the top floor. He might have said it was 27 truck. I don't recall. But, you know, we report to the top floor. I'm Rescue Irons, Joey's Rescue Hook, and Chris King is our captain that day. Um, the, uh, the outside team is to the roof, which was uh, Danny Burke and Richie Bailey. And then we were riding heavy. Um, uh, all the rescues and all the engines were riding heavy. The city did do something right that night. They, they had five-man engines, and uh, we had an extra guy on each rescue. Um, so Pat McKenna was uh, the OV that night. And uh, Doug Hantush was the, uh, the chauffeur of, uh, of Rescue 3. And his job was uh, to go to the fire floor. Uh, with the thermal imaging camera, you know, to assist the, the truck and engine as they're moving out on the fire. So um, I, I've said this before. I'll say it again. It looks like a textbook fire. Um, problem is there is no textbook fires. You know, um, you know, uh, we as firefighters, we train and train and train. We read books. We go to classes. Uh, we do drills. Um, somebody that doesn't go to those is fire and slumlords. You know, um, and uh, unfortunately, um, you know, there was uh, uh, illegal um, uh, SROs um, that were placed inside this building. Again, there was three apartments per floor. Um, we know at least that day that there was uh, 3I and um, uh, 4L. Um, they were illegally subdivided inside. So each, each room, bedroom in there was an apartment. So they were chained and padlocked. And, um, um, you know, what we as firefighters, when we go into a fire, we're going into a maze. Uh, we use these. These are our eyes, you know. I mean, we feel around and we search. We do have thermal imaging cameras today, you know, to help us see. But it's a tool. These are your, your, your best tools, you know, your, 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 your physical eyes and your, your hands, you know, to navigate around. And, um, you know, we get in we get to the top. We... We're going up uh, the stairs. The fire's on the third floor. We get to the top floor, and, and when I passed the fire, the fire floor, it was a moderate smoke condition. I didn't even have a face piece on, you know. So you know, maybe I maybe I got a little snotted up, but you know, I wasn't getting 
you know, getting beat up, you know, and we get up there and 27 trucks already got the three apartments on the top floor popped. And there's a report of somebody missing on the top floor. Um, and, um, you know, we're up there, you know, assisting 27 truck, trying to find his victim, searching for uh, any extension up there. And while we're doing this, uh, they, they're moving in on a fire. And I know this by talking to uh, Dougie Hantush, is that um, they think they're hitting fire initially. And, uh, and, they lose, and they lose water pressure for whatever reason. You know, there's a lot of speculation. I mean, you can read the NIOSH report and you can read the fatal fire report. You know, um, I personally believe, and I could tell you more about this, is that they just put stuff in there to appease people, you know, to, to, to try to put it to bed. Okay. Um, they put stuff in there and I can tell you on my father's grave that they speculate that John Ballou knocked me over in the, uh, in the fire apartment. And, uh, I talked to the, uh, the chief that, uh, put his name up that investigated that fire. And, uh, I said, where do you come up with that John Ballou knocked me over? And he said his widow wanted something, and we gave her something. And uh, that doesn't sit real well with me, you know. Um, Nor should it. You know what? I'll, I'll, I'll swear in, in, in a court of law, you know, about that, you know. And, and, and like I said, on my father's grave. And um, so anyway, um, I, I'm sorry to get off track, but it just it, – No, it's, you're fine. Don't worry about it. It, bother, it bothers me today, you know, like that – those reports, everybody thinks that they're, they're, they're like law. You know, we were just talking about, uh, uh, the fatal fire in, um, uh, Spring Valley, uh, where Jarrett Lloyd was lost. Uh, yes. I don't know if you're aware of that. Yeah. It was last and year, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, you know, that's Rockland County where I was a volunteer, you know? So, uh, I have, uh, I have a vested interest in that, you know, that fire because there's illegal, illegal, um, Occupancies going on in Rockland County rampant, you know. So uh, these SROs and a task force was started. So anyway, we'll back up. So they're moving in on this fire. I know I got off track a little bit. They're moving in on this fire. They lose water. Now, when they lost water, I don't know why they lost water, but they lost water. I, I believe that ice either got into the impeller and the and the engine and shut it down, or ice got in a line and shut it down, and they lost water. So 42 engine lost water on the fire floor. So um, 75 engine was ordered to back their line off the top floor uh, down to the fire floor, you know, to, to go in to put the fire out. At the same time, Rescue 3 and Ladder 27 pushes on searching for this missing victim up there and to search for any um, extension without the protection of a hand line. Well, it's not the first time in a New York City fire department. You know, I mean, you can read how many metal metal day books without, you know, without the protection of a handline, you know, and uh, it's not to be a hero. You know, it's not like that's not. Listen, this might have just been some walking somebody down the stairs, but we did what we did, you know, and things went bad real quick, not because of us, but because people did bad stuff. So they're moving in on this fire and they think they're hitting a fire. Because Doug Hantush is telling me, you know, he's like, they got the thermal imaging camera, and he's a very versed guy with the thermal imaging camera. He sees fingers of fire coming, you know, at him, and the engine company's pushing in, 
and they think they're hitting the, the body of the fire, but what's there is a legal wall. There's an illegal wall that's made out of MDF. Uh, it's compressed particle. It's particle board is basically what it was. They put it there. They put an illegal wall in with two by fours, and they made another room. And But they didn't run it floor to ceiling. It was about eight to ten inches shy of the ceiling. And fire's coming over this wall, and they think that they're hitting the fire, but they're not hitting the fire. And there's already been, you know, a delay in putting the fire out because, you know, they lost water in that one line anyway fire continues to burn and build and we're up there on the top floor and um we have an illegal wall up there unbeknownst to ourselves we have an illegal wall in 4l and uh the uh this this wall runs floor to ceiling and it's sheetrocked with two by four construction so the fire continued to burn and burn and burn and it basically what it did it burned up and blew back down on us and we were up there and uh, I also have to say that, you know, something that we found out after going through the civil trial, stuff that I didn't even know, is that uh, this was a, a, a 20 amp uh, fuse, old screw in fuse uh, a building, um, like a lot of the old, old buildings in the city. And they were sticking 30 amp fuses in it uh, because they kept popping, you know, because they got all these um, tenants living in one apartment. And they have space heaters, they have refrigerators, they have microwaves, uh, TVs, gaming consoles. And so this this fuse wouldn't burn out, you know, this 30 amp fuse. The cord was what would melt down. And that's where the fire started. Um, the fire started, uh, the guy had uh, in his illegal uh, uh, room, he had a TV, a space heater, uh, a microwave, and a gaming console, all plugged into a 99 cent brown uh extension cord that melted down and it uh it communicated to his his bed and then that's where the fire started and it burned up so you know we're on the floor above um you know and i'm going round and round up there you know searching um with joey and uh with with uh chris king my captain and i have a thermal imaging camera and uh you know i'm already looking but uh, Captain King says to me, you know, can continue to pan, you know, the walls and the ceilings. And um, I find uh, uh, a heat source in the kitchen wall in 4L. And uh, I pop a small hole in a wall and fire immediately starts to vent out. At the same time, um, fire starts to vent from the back area. It's, it's already came up, up up to the top floor and it's blown. The wind's blowing it back around to us. And... Um, Captain King uh, is uh, immediately on the radio with an urgent message. You know, we need a lawn to the top floor. You know, we got fire blowing. You, you can listen to the radio transmissions, you know. Um, and if you haven't listened to them, you know, YouTube them, you know, Black Sunday, FBNY, listen to the radio transmissions. I mean, it's the first time in a fatal fire where handy talkie transmissions were recorded. It was a pilot program, and um, it, it didn't capture every – uh, radio that day and um i believe that's uh i don't know <laughs> that's again the new york city fire department evolving you know we had problems with our radios uh, prior to 9 11 on 9 11 they were supposed to be improved and i still you know like when i was still there that day i know i made other radio transmissions that weren't captured on that uh um that uh recorder but it is what it is but we do have 
a lot of a, of a timestamp that day of what went on. And um, just prior to that, that, uh, that fire being found and that urgent message being transmitted, I believe it was like a minute earlier, um, you know, they're asking, you know, for a progress report for the top floor. And uh, you hear uh, Kurt Myron, you know, he's the boss in 27 truck. You know, he's like, uh, you know, they asked any extension up there. He says slight extension, slight extension. And, you know, I think maybe it's 45 seconds later, you hear urgent message, you know, you know, we need a, we need a line to the top floor. Now I'm in, in this kitchen, you know, with, uh, with Chris King, my captain, and it's going lights out now. It's, it's snotted up on mask off. And, um, I, uh, pan my thermal imaging camera towards the, uh, towards the back of the apartment. And I pick up silhouettes of firefighters and I advance towards them to tell them that they got to fall back, you know, cause the, the front door is behind us. And, um, uh, I get, get up to this firefighter and, uh, I'm like, brother, we got to fall back. And he's like, we're trapped. And, um, I turn around and floor to ceiling, it's fire. And we're pushed into this bedroom in front of us. It's like bedroom one, two, and three. And where the illegal wall is. So to the, so we're pushed like straight ahead, uh, to the left is a bedroom. I wish I had the diagrams or you had the diagrams to throw up, but to the left is where Joey is. He's in bedroom one. I'm in bedroom two with, uh, Everybody in 27 truck, uh, with the exception of uh, 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 John Ballou. Um There's another bedroom, bedroom three, and I think they had four. But there's an illegal wall that they threw up that to our right that doesn't allow us to get to the fire escape. And we're trapped like rats in a cage. And uh, mayday after mayday messages being transmitted. You know, the door's closed. I mean, fire's starting to vent in a room. Um, you know, we're circling around this room. At some point... You know, I did get knocked over in a room. I lost my hand tools, you know, no fault of, you know, whoever knocked me over, you know, um, and um, I get pushed to a window and uh, 27 truck gets pushed to a window. You know, their inside team, Lieutenant Myron, uh, Brendan Cawley, uh, uh, that was a probie, um, his first fire and Eugene Solowski. And to my left is uh, Joey DiBernardo and, you know, in bedroom one. And, you know, these, these mayday after mayday are going on and, uh, time is of the essence. And, uh, you know, um, the brothers are making a diligent effort to come and get us, you know, to, to knock the fire down. There's a roof rope evolution being set up on a roof. Um, the problem is, uh, uh, I'll just give a quick layout of this building is that exposure one is a street two is, uh, is a, a parking lot, um, uh, alley, uh, three is uh is an alley and when i say alley no access to get an aerial back there and there's a below grade entrance back there okay like a lot of the apartment buildings in the bronx and four is a similar attached um the uh so you know we're five stories above the ground and uh our, our tallest portable ladder is 35 feet so it's not getting there and this illegal wall is preventing us from getting to the fire escape you know somewhere that we should have been able to easily i mean even if we had to go through fire we could have got to the fire escape you know we have our ppe on and go to the fire escape and down we go or to the roof we go either either way you know and uh it didn't happen that way you know um you know again the, the roof rope evolution is being set up and um you know we look back to the trade center you know people jumping you know uh with 
when fire is at your tail, you do, uh, you know, you do what you got to do. You know, it's, it's stay here and burn to death or jump and, you know, hope that it's over, you know, quickly, you know. And uh, so anyway, um, Lieutenant Myron, um, and I know this just by talking to the brothers, uh, is that, you know, he, he's going to go first. He's going to show, uh, you know, his proby and uh, his Ironsman, you know, um, and he goes out the window and he hangs by his fingers and he drops to the ground below. He goes five stories to the ground below. And I told you there was a foot of snow on the ground, but um, that's what they said. There was a foot of snow on the ground. This below grade entrance, it was concrete. It was littered with debris and the wind blowing. It, it was like powdered snow. It just blew all away. So he hit concrete. You know, uh, they guesstimate that, you know, when, when well, I'll get to that in a minute. Then uh, then it's uh, the Proby's turn. You know, it's Brendan Cawley's uh, turn. <coughs> this is his first fire. His brother, Michael, was killed on 9-11. Yeah. And uh, he goes out the window. Um, down to the ground, he goes. <coughs> now it's Stolowski's turn. Now, now I, I, I know these guys are going, but my mind doesn't allow me to physically see this anymore. <coughs> and uh, he goes out the window. He gets hung up on a child guard gate. His alligator clip on his, um, on his weight strap, on his uh, SCBA gets hung up, and he's hanging upside down, five stories above the ground. And uh, he hangs there for a couple seconds, and it lets go. And down to the ground he goes. Now, uh, I'm up on a, on a portable uh, air conditioned unit five stories above the ground. Fire is blown out over my head. Joey describes it as like a jet engine. He goes, the fire that is blown out of your head is like a jet engine. <coughs> I'm on, you know, it's probably got a couple screws, maybe a nail holding this window air conditioned unit you know, and, and by the grace of God, it didn't let go. And Joey's in, in, in the room to the left of me. And I said, Joey, I got a rope, but I got nowhere to tie it off to. He says, throw me the rope. I argue with him quickly, not knowing like how I'm going to lower him. But he goes, you got a wife and kids. You go first. And, uh, said a quick, quick prayer. And, uh, I looked up again, the brothers still weren't there, you know, and uh, I threw on one end of the rope and uh, I took the other end of the rope and I wrapped it around myself in a blade fashion. And I rolled out the window and I believe I pendulumed. I believe I, uh, again, you know, I, I was here and Joey was here. I believe I pendulumed past him came back in, I hit the wall right underneath him and down to the ground. <coughs> I went. Probably caught 15 feet off my fall. Joey used the same rope and uh, clipped it onto a child guard gate. <coughs> Excuse me. It's not a substantial object. It's had, you know, it's, it's what we had. And he clips it onto it and he wraps it around himself in a blade fashion and ro rolls out the window gets down 12 to 15 feet 
down to the ground he goes. Now, when Joey fell, all right, so I, I got to go back to when, when I fell. I pendulum, I said, in front of Joey's window. I landed an inch or two from the below grade entrance steps that went down another 10 feet. Joey went the additional 10 feet. He fell into where, you know, right below my window. You know, so uh, it was... Uh, it was it was all hands back there, you know. Uh, Lieutenant White from uh, Fifty Six Truck again getting back to the radio transmissions. You know he's watching all the guys, you know, like in the back of the building. You know it's one, two, three, four, five, six guys just jumped. You know, and I, I I've talked to him more than once, and I said I'd rather be back in that window today and do it all over again and stand where you stood that day, helplessly stood. You know it's no fault of his. But just what he has burned into his mind that he'll live with until the day he dies, you know, it's just it's it's a tough it's a tough thing to swallow. Um, you know, we should have uh, it should have never happened that day. Right. You know, I mean, it was bad things, you know, uh, a bad landlord, a bad uh, 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 super um, doing bad things to make money, you know, but it was bad on uh, on on the city of New York's part, too. You know, I mean, uh, in 1999. Uh, up until December 1999, we all had personal ropes, right? When I came on a job, we had 40 feet of personal rope that we carried in our pocket and we wore harnesses. The same harnesses that they wear today, we had when I came on a job in 92. But <clears throat> Tommy Von Essen, the former fire commission, decided we don't need them anymore. You know, we have bunker gear now. They don't fit our gear. Um, that's what he said. It's, it's too much, uh, too much weight, uh, to carry, you know, guys are having heart attacks. Um, and we don't need them. There's no documented cases of, uh, of, of these, uh, being used in the past. Well, you know what I dug, I dug around, I brought it in, you know, um, because I wasn't going to let this go. We had 33 documented cases of these ropes being used prior to them being taken away. They had a shelf life and they didn't want to spend the money. If they would have spent the money, guys would have guys got hurt that day. There's possibility, you know, would have been career ending, possibly, but would they have been alive? Absolutely, you know. There's no doubt in my mind they would have been alive. You know, there's there's blood on somebody's hands, and it ain't and it ain't mine. You know, um, unfortunately that day, you know, uh, Kurt Myron was killed. Um, John John Ballou, he went out one of the windows on the top floor, and you know. We believe that John shot up there after those Mayday messages uh, were transmitted trying to get us, and he got trapped. And out the window he went, you know, but I don't know what window he went out. They were killed, um, you know, catastrophic injuries, you know, to, to all of us. Brendan Cawley being the least, you know, by the grace of God, you know, um, he had the least amount of injuries. And, uh, you know, he's still working with FDNY today. You know, he's a full-duty firefighter. He lectures our, you know, our probies and he lectures across the country like myself. Um, <clears throat> Eugene Stolowski, uh, he had an internal decapitation. Um, his knee came up, hit his chin, drove his head back. It hit the top of his mask. Um, basically, he was dead on the ground, you know, and uh, I forget the firefighter's name uh, from Squad 41, but a former paramedic, he came over and opened his airway and stabilized him. And, um, you know, got him breathing again. But, uh, you know, Gene, is, you know, Gene is an absolute miracle. You know, he uh, he's fused. You know, he has 
you know, he had major, major, major injuries. You know, there was a 5% chance of him walking and or living again, you know. And then uh, Joey, you know, Joey landed on his feet. Joey broke, like, all the bones in his feet, um, crushed his tallness, uh, amongst other injuries. But his, his biggest pain was, you know, he broke all those bones in his feet. And he always said it was like uh, walking on uh, broken glass all the time. Um, I... Uh, I broke my pelvis, shattered my pelvis. I bled out 72 units of blood uh, before they had all the uh, the bleeding stopped. And a normal human being holds eight to 10 uh, units of blood. I bled out over and over again before they had all the bleeding stopped. They had to cut me from my sternum to my belly button, um, op open me up, take all my internal organs, rest them outside my body. I was on a vent. I was burned. I mean, I broke my shoulders. Um, you know, basically I said, you know, to speed it up a little bit, I said, I'll wait for Jeff to come back. Um, that's the story of Black Sunday, and you can't forget about Richie Sclafani. Richie Sclafani was in Ladder 103, I think, in Brooklyn, and Richie was killed in a fire that day, too. Jeff's back. I'm back. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Um, don't worry about it. But uh, anyway, I, I, you know, I say that I was put back together with crazy glue and duct tape, you know, I mean, because my body is, you know, I'm here. It's... Uh, you know, people look at Gene and Jeff when they stand side by side with one another. And you can put Gene, Jeff, and, and uh, Brendan side by side with one another. And uh, we're all different, you know. I mean, we don't look the same. You know, Gene is fused and, you know, he's very slow. And, you know, I mean, I have, you know, the shoulders in five pieces. My pelvis is is, is shattered and, and racked. And um, I don't have any plates and stuff in me. I, I have a lot of issues, you know. Um, I'm not going to complain about them. I'm here. You know, I got to see my boys grow up, you know, uh, unfortunately for, uh, you know, uh, for Kurt and uh, John and their families, you know, they didn't get that, that benefit, you know, and uh, it, it, it's, it, it's tough, you know, and, you know, this all transpired that morning, you know, um, and, and I, and I heard you saying when I got back in is that that afternoon in a separate fire, um, uh, Richie Scalfani of 103 Truck, uh, you know, he he died in a, in, a, in a fire. He was lost that day, and he's part of Black Sunday, you know, and that's where that's where the media came up. It was the darkest day uh, post 9-11 for FDNY, you know, and, uh, you know, we've, you know, since that day, we've lost two in, a, you know, um, a day, and I hope that we never surpass that again. You know, it's just, uh, it's just crazy, you know, um, but, um, you know, I, I fought diligently, you know, to uh, to get back on my feet. I mean, I spent uh, 30 some odd days in uh, ICU before I was transported to uh, Helen Hayes uh, Rehab Hospital in West Havisham, New York, uh, to learn to walk and function again. Um, when I finally uh, when I finally got well, first, when it first got me up and tilted me up, I had uh, a two five and a half inch titanium bolts in my pelvis. Uh, with the uh, erector set across it, an external fixator. That's how they stabilized my pelvis. And when they cut me open um, and put my guts back in, well, when they, when they put them back in, they just closed the fascia. So I had a big hole there, you know, a big hole from my sternum all the way to my belly button. It was like, and my weight, I was probably, probably the day of the fire, it was probably about 205. And, uh, and when I first got to weigh myself, um, I was down to 153 pounds. 
So I looked like I was like from a concentration camp and uh, skin and bones, um, <clears throat> you know, learning to, you know, to walk and function and to pick my arm up again. I mean, I still like, I mean, that's it. I mean, I, I don't, I can't pick my arm up any more than that. You know, it's, it is what it is, but, uh, you know, I, I fought a long diligent fight, you know, uh, um, had some great support from my, uh, first and foremost, my wife, you know, cause when my wife got to the hospital, you know, um, you know, she knew it was bad and she's from a NYPD family. Um, you know, I, she was, just, she was a smart one. She married a fireman, you know, and, uh, but, uh, anyway, you know, my, my follow he was a Lieutenant at three L back in the day. Like, we'll get Jeff back momentarily. There he is. Yeah. I think that was you that time. It looked like you, not me. <laughs> it might've been because like I said, yeah. this rainstorm. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so anyway, you know, she told the doctors, you know, she knew it was bad. She said, my head was swollen, swollen up like that. She goes, put them back together any way you can and I'll take them. And, uh, you know, when we take those vows for better or for worse, I mean, she really meant it. You know, I put it through hell, you know, um, you know, through this, through this whole ordeal, you know, I mean, it wasn't easy, you know, it's like, um, it's one thing, you know, to survive that, but then your career ends and then your brothers die and living with survivor's guilt and living with PTSD, you know, and, uh, and not being the man that you once were, you know, um, you know, it, it, it's a, it's a tough go. Um, and, and then it, it got tougher down the road, you know, cause, uh, November 22nd, 2011, you know, Joey, you know, survived this and, um, this fire that day. And then we lost Joey, you know, uh, we lost Joey to, uh, you know, he went into respiratory distress, um, combination of, uh, of the pain and psychological medicine that he was on. And, uh, I couldn't believe that we lost them. You know, I mean, this guy just fought so hard, just like myself, you know, to get through, to learn to walk and function again, you know, um, but he had a hard time and, uh, with the, uh, with the psychological part, you know, along with the pain, you know, um, and, uh, unfortunately doctors, they still do it today is that they, um, um, they, they got their head down here. They're looking at it. They're looking down here and not looking at you to see what's going on. And they're, mm -hmm. just writing, they're writing scripts. And um, I really believe that's what killed Joey. You know, I, I, I tried and tried and tried, but a combination of medicine killed Joey, you know? And I know, I know that firsthand. Listen, I was on morphine. I was on fentanyl before we knew what, what fentanyl was, you know, you're, you're like, like now I'm like, I'm so like, I, I consider myself so blessed that I was on fentanyl and, and I survived that, you know, cause it's such a, a scary drug. Like they had to wean me off of it. You know, mm -hmm. I was on oxycodone. I was on Ambien, you know, I was, uh, you know, this, that and everything, you know what? And I was washing it down with the Heineken, right. You know, not, <clears throat> not trying to kill myself just wanted to sleep, just wanted to sleep. You know, that's all I wanted to do is sleep and not feel pain, you know? And, uh, you know, it might be hard for people to understand that, you know, but it's, uh, it, it, it's tough, you know, like I, I, I read a lot of military books. Here we go. Now it's you, Mike. It's not me. <laughs> hey, and Mike will be right back. And here's Jeff running the show. <laughs> no, I'm here. Can you see me? I hope he comes back soon. I'm here. 
I'm here. I don't know what, what we're having some tech problems. Mike, Jeff, you coming you... back any today? Can you see me, Jeff? Well, well we might have lost Mike, but no, I'm right, anyway, I'm right here. So I don't know if everybody's out there listening to me, and and uh, but you know, um, what I did wasn't the right thing, but I wasn't trying to, to harm myself. But it's just, uh, it's just, it's just dealing with what you have in front of you. I was running a show without you. Um. Okay, you can see me now. I was here. Oh, you were here. You can hear yeah. me talk. Yeah. You can hear me talk. talk to... Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, but you know, like I, I, I just think it's important, you know, for people to understand, you know, like I've been through this, right? And I, and I wasn't trying to harm myself. I read this book um, some time back uh, on this Marsec Raider, a Marine, you know, spec, spec ops guy, you know, and and he's dealing with pain, and and you know, he's talking to me in this book, you know, like he's. You know, he's like uh, he he was taking all these pills and stuff, and and you know drinking like crazy, and uh, um, again not trying to kill himself, but his heart's racing the one night, and it, and his uh, his girlfriend, um, you know, flushes his body because his heart is just racing, just copious amounts of water flushing his body, and you know from there he never turned back, you know, but it, it's uh, it's uh, the mental health part of it, you know, it's uh, um, dealing with. Uh, you know, finding the right counselor. You know, oh, we keep losing Jeff, man. I don't know what's going on. And there goes Mike again. For me to find my my right counselor, and also to find God. You know, and it wasn't really until I found God that you know that you know um, my head was screwed on straight. You know, um, and you know to push forward with that. I got a clip here before I get to the conclusion. Well, I really apologize that you know we're just having all kinds of technical uh, difficulties tonight. No, it's all right. It's well, still I gonna... never was an AV guy, so hopefully Mike gets back soon. Well, well, he can't see me quite yet, but hopefully I'll wait for him to see me. But for if you guys can see me in the chat, I have a clip here of Lieutenant Byron. Uh, but, you speaking. know, through, uh, I think he's coming back. You know, can you see this, me now? Through this whole ordeal, you know, through through tragedy comes something good, you know. Um, you know, um, and, you know, uh, we lost Joey that day and, you know, I got my head screwed on right. And, uh, you know, um, and there's days I, I just had guys down here at my beach house, you know, uh, guys that are firemen and cops, you know, retired and stuff now. And we were talking about dealing with all this, you know, life and everything. And, you know, 9-11 being right around the corner and, you know, how doors close and you think they're closed, but every now and then they pop open, you know, so that happens with me, you know, it's like, you know, 9-11, you know, every year that anniversary comes and then I got the anniversary of Joey's death and then I got the anniversary of Black Sunday. You know, it's just managing that, how you manage it. But again, um, you got to be able to do that, um, you know, and 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 be real with yourself, you know, uh, be truthful, you know. So uh, don't don't uh, don't try to bury it, you know, because it does no good. But, um, you know, when we lost Joey November 22nd, 2011. I, I'll be honest with you. I couldn't even cry. That's how crushed I was. I just couldn't cry. I didn't. I couldn't believe that we lost them. Mm. And uh, sometime later, after that, you know, that the the brothers were talking, and uh, I believe it was uh, it was John Salka and Mike Dugan came up with the idea that uh, um, you know to start a foundation in uh, in Joey's name. And uh, you know, it's nine years now. Um, we have a foundation, the Joey D. Uh, uh, foundation and uh and we provide grants to fire departments across north america that can't afford bailout systems and um you know 
I guess going back, let's go back to the New York City Fire Department. You know, um, they didn't have ropes that day. They took them away from us. Uh, but um, um, they did get ropes after Black Sunday. Um, they spent $16.5 million to develop the most in-depth study that's ever been done on uh, bailout systems. And, um, and on our bailout system, the FBNY bailout systems, um, on the uh, on the XO device, the descent control device, it has one, two, three on it to commemorate that day. But, you know, so guys don't forget. You know, right. and uh, and um, you know, so uh, um, I guess fortunately for any any guy or girl that comes on the FBNY, they'll always have a bailout system now. The uh, because of Black Sunday, they'll never leave. They're never, that's, that's a part of equipment that's never, ever going to leave the New York City Fire Department. But then to get back to Joey's foundation, um, there's a lot of departments and firefighters in, in the country that don't even know about Black Sunday. And, um, you know, oh, that's something that only, and if they do know about it, that's only something that happens in a big city. Well, that's, uh, that's just bogus. Um, you know, what, in 2009 in, uh, in New York State, I used to say the great state of New York, but I can't even say that anymore. In, in 2009, uh, we had 10 firefighters bail out of uh, 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 three-story or less wood frame structures. It was Buffalo, Syracuse, and the city of Yonkers. And in the, in the city of Yonkers case, unfortunately, um, for those that don't know it, um, here's the Bronx and here's Yonkers. They fought right up against one another. And um, we didn't learn from, uh, uh, from death. Um, in the New York City Fire Department. The other departments didn't learn from it. And uh, Patty Joyce from Rescue One and the Yonkers Fire Department was trapped in a three-story uh, frame type. He jumped, and I believe he was impaled on a wrought iron fence, and he bled out at the scene. And, uh, you know, it, it happens. There's bailouts happening across the country. And, um, you know, some departments, they can't afford them. Um, with Joey, you know, with Joey's foundation that we started, his dad, um, you know, he was the sixth division commander, Vietnam vet. He's the president of the foundation. We're a 501c3. And, uh, when, when I say a 501c3, nobody's on payroll. You know, we, uh, we, we, we are a true volunteer organization and we've given out 700 and some odd thousand dollars in grants to fire departments across North America. And in doing so, um, our biggest, uh, fundraising effort, uh, comes from doing training seminars. Initially, it was just at the Suffolk County Fire Academy on Long Island. Um, we'd run a weekend seminar. Um, and now we run uh, two days of uh, hands-on at the Suffolk County Fire Academy and one day of classroom lectures. And uh, we just recently um, um, went to Texas and uh, Woodlands in, just outside of Houston. And we also run a seminar there. And that's our biggest fundraiser. So we're not only saving lives by providing safety gear we're you know educating firefighters with some of the best in the business so um this year uh november 4th uh through the 6th at the uh suffolk county fire academy we're running our seminar uh the application process is open right now um you know uh, they do take vouchers so if you're in a volunteer fire department or a paid department and you want to attend you know some of the best instructors in the country are there instructing uh, teaching in a much smaller atmosphere. It's like a 12 to 1 student uh, to teacher ratio. 
And uh, it's just great stuff, great bonding, you know, and Joey's name lives on and we're saving firefighters' lives. Amazing. And I'll say, you know, I'll borrow a line from my friend Joe Guerra from ESU, who I interviewed yesterday. Even his career also cut short. Like I mentioned, he was shot in the face. You know, he said about his 12 years in the NYPD, though it didn't last as long as I would have wanted to. I got a lot of mileage out of those 12 years. And I imagine, you know, you know, even though your career did not last as you wanted, long as you wanted it to, you got a lot of mileage out of those 13 years, yeah. my friend. And it was a yeah. great career. Yeah, it was. It was a great career. I wish I could have at least made 20, you know, but I mean, I'll just add, I do other stuff, you know, you know, like I, you know, I speak, I just, I just wrote an article for a book, not an article, a chapter for a book. Uh, it's like 30 famous fires that the fire service should know about. Um, got another book coming out and you know what? It, it's not about me. It's benefiting, you know, firefighter charities, you know, and hopefully Joey's chair. I know one of them is, you know, Joey's charity is uh, benefiting from it. Mm-hmm. I, I've jumped out of the plane. Um, from 10,000 plus feet with uh, Mike Dugan and Bobby Halton. Actually, Mike Dugan, Dugan went first. So we were at, maybe we were at, uh, maybe at 10,000 feet and then Dugan went and then a plane went up to 12,000 feet, you know, and then, and then I went and we raised a, a half a million dollars that day for, uh, for our veterans and first responders. Um, my buddy, uh, Ryan Parrott, uh, he was a former Navy SEAL, um, SEAL sniper uh, for eight years. And uh, he runs two different charities. I've, uh, you know, I'm proud to say I've done some work with him, you know, and, and, and paying it forward. Cause that's what it's about. You know, listen, I can't crawl down a hallway anymore, but you know, I could still do stuff for a fellow mankind, you know, and, I, and I'm a, and I'm a big advocate for like, well, one more ad, you know, one more plug for me. And it's not sure, about me again, yeah, you know, uh, given blood, you know, like, listen, I told you I took 72 units of blood. So I got 72 different people that are alive in me you know, that saved my life. And I, I met 12 of my 72 donors um, through the New York Blood Center at a gala uh, luncheon. It was the first time they ever did it. And um, every race, color, creed, you know, black, white, uh, oriental, um, NYPD, you know, it was, it, I, I'll tell you what, it was, it was phenomenal. I had tears in my eyes meeting all these people and I'm an advocate, you know, and when New York Blood Center calls me and says, hey, you know, we want you to speak and tell your story. I tell my story. No. Before I get to concluding segment, which is rapid fire, it's been a hell of a show with you. I do have the late Lieutenant Myron speaking back in 1998. He'd been uh, cited for Great Rescue in 1996. And I just want the audience to get a glimpse of who he was. He really lived and breathed the fire service. Good man. Gone too soon. Here he is back in 98. Somebody would do the same for us if the need arose. Timing was the bottom line. I was glad to be in the right place at the right time for the outcome to be a happy one. This means a lot to me. 
to be able to share this honor with everyone here, especially my family, Jeanette, my son Dennis, my daughter Angela. I'm proud to be a part of the department. Truly an honor for me. Thank you much. A simple man and a heroic man, and he is not forgotten. It's now time for the rapid fire. Five hit run questions from me, five hit run answers from you. Like I said, it's been a hell of a show. Are you ready? Sure. First, top five favorite Rangers of all time. Huh. Oh, Mike Richter, Alexei Kovalov, Mark Messier, Adam Graves, and Nikki Fatio. <laughs> Nikki Fatio, I haven't heard that one in a while. Good list. Pretty good list. A lot of those guys, pivotal members of the 94 Cup team. Second, most uplifting call you ever responded to? I, I, I got to go back to my roof rope rescue, you know? I mean, yeah. at least, you know? Yeah, that's a good one. Of course, it's classic one. That's the high, That's one of the highlights. Well, uh, you know why I say it? Because the first person I called when, you know, that day and cell phones were, you know, they were still kind of new. It's mm -hmm. calling, you know, calling Jeff Jr. You know, that's who I talked to. to tell uh -huh. him, so that's, uh, uh, somebody speaking of somebody in the chat, uh, Stu Kelso, he wants to know, uh, how's your son doing? You know, since you mentioned he's in EMS, how's he getting on? Uh, he's, he, he's, he's doing, you know, but, uh, he's really hoping to do the, uh, MUPS program soon. So hopefully DCAS gets their stuff together and gets some, you know, cause he's a, he's a paramedic and they're so understaffed right now. And, you know, um, he, he's looking, you know, I mean, he really wants the fire part of it, but, um, you know, he, uh, you know, he's looking at the rescue medic and, you know, he's into the medicine. You know, last night we were talking and he goes, I really wish I would have went and pursued uh, the PA part, you know, uh, being a physician assistant. So who knows? He's still young. Yeah. It's well, we'll wait for him to come back. Uh, it's important. Yeah. Especially after the last two years with COVID. So we'll wait for Jeff to come back and I'll ask him the next one, which you guys know, which is the funniest call. Uh, here's Jeff, you know. <laughs> there you go. We have to have one more little, you know, it's, again, uh, my friend Roma Tori from New York One calls it tap dancing. So I'm going to text Roma later and tell her I mastered the art of it tonight. Yeah. Uh, she knows what that means. Shout out to Roma. Third, funniest call you ever responded to? So this is going to go, you know, I was thinking about this. I was like, well, the one I couldn't tell because of the language. But then then I was thinking of Joey D. So uh, I don't know what year this was, but it was, uh, do you remember, uh, it was like the cover of the Daily News in the New York Post that uh, there was a tiger um, issue slid off. Yeah, I know the guy that slid down, and Marty yeah. Duffy, who's in two trucks. Yeah, yeah I know that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so anyway, we're over in Harlem the one day. It's a collapse run, and. We're standing in the street and, uh, and and we're basically doing nothing. And Joey and I are there by the collapse rig, and and a lady comes up and she goes, uh, "What's going on?" He's like, "Ah, there's a gorilla up there." She goes, "Last week a tiger, this week a gorilla." So that was, you know, I, was, I got a giggle out of that. You know? Yeah, my my buddy's in three truck because uh, I was in three trucks territory for ESU. Mike Garcia, who later went out to the bomb squad, finished his career out there. And Marty Duffy, who's still in ESU to this day, he was on that one. And it's funny because I met Marty recently at two truck, and uh, you know I walked by him and I I, he, I was introducing myself, uh, and he said, "Hey, hey, Marty," and I stopped him like Duffy. He's like, yeah. I said, you had that tiger job. He's like, no. You know, we had a good laugh about it. It's a, it's a funny job. It lives on in New York City lore. Fourth, favorite bar or restaurant in New York City? So, so well, first I'm going to go to the oldest bar, McSoyley's, right? You know, of but, course, yes. Uh, you know, I mean, that's, that's that, you know, that's definitely where you're not going to just go get have one, you know. But uh, mm -hmm. I, I would say my favorite bar, it, it really isn't a bar. It's, uh, it's MSG, you know, sitting there having a beer, watching my New York Rangers, you know, that's. That's my favorite place to be. 
I know I got to get back to the garden. I haven't been to the garden in years, you know, I need, and I, the Rangers are good again. I just need my Knicks to follow suit, you know, so hopefully <laughs> memo to the Knicks, get good again, please. And get good again soon. And fifth and finally, given your experiences, you had such a great career, truck 19 rescue three, you grab somebody right out of the rock. So eager to get on the job. What would you tell him or her? Again, the job is, uh, it's earned, it's not given, you know, and, and leave the job better, you know, than what you found it, you know, learn something every day that you go to work, um, you know, uh, every, every day you go to work, hone your skills um, on what you already know, and then, you know, continue to learn. And I, I think that goes all the way up into the chief of department, because once you stop learning, you know, um, you know, I listen to Tommy Richardson, and I, and I know Tommy Richardson, you know, after the job, I don't really remember working with them, you know, even though our, our time, you know, we're parallel at, at, at time. Um, but, you know, he, he just, you know, he talks about just leaving a job better, you know, and, and, and learning a job. Like he was out there, he was riding, you know, riding a bus or riding an engine or, or riding a ladder truck, or I don't know if he even went back for the rescues. Maybe he did too, but you know, that to me, he still wants to have the pulse of the job, you know, because that's so important, you know, and, and, and never get out of out of touch with it, you know. I mean, you know, Joe. One of Joey's uh, quotes was, and he had a lot of famous quotes, is that, you know, professionalism is an attitude. It has nothing to do with the paycheck, you know. And I think that's important, you know. And be, you know, and then and a lot of people, you know, you know, it, you know, say, hey, I'm on a job. It doesn't matter if you're a cop or a fireman. Yeah, I'm on a job. And another one that was the same, you know, was like, are you on the job or into the job? Yeah, into the job, you know. So. That's another one. That's what we get to. And I've heard that one too. And it's so true. This has been great. Thanks to everybody that watched tonight. Jeff, don't sign off yet. We'll say goodbye off the air. Before I say goodbye to them, is there any shout outs you want to give to anyone or anything? You know, if anybody, you know, if anybody wants to find out about the Joey D Foundation, check out joeydfoundation.org. You know, if you want to reach out to me about coming to speak on Black Sunday, you know, I do lecture on Black Sunday. Um, you know, look, look for me through social media or through Joey's Foundation. And again, you know, I do charge a fee, but that fee uh, is written right to the Joey D Foundation. Everything I do is for Joey D's Foundation and for my brother firefighters. There you go. This has been a great show. Milestone Volume 25 of the Best of the Bravest. Thanks to everybody that watched tonight. I really appreciate it. Coming up next in the Mike DeNuyevin podcast, I'm working to confirm it. Should be Richie Ficken on Friday, who was a street crime cop. Street crime cop, I should say. Uh, so if I don't have him confirmed, I'll try to think of something else. But I'm supposed to be on tap for Friday, so hopefully I'll lock it in. And if you don't see me with him, well, then yeah, you'll see me with somebody else. But in the meantime, thanks, guys. Like I said, for tuning in. Jeff, stick around. And on behalf of Jeff Cool, this has been Volume 25 of the Best of the Bravest interviews with the FDNY's lead. I'm Mike Cologne. We will see you next time. Let's go Rangers. Let's go Rangers.
Bye.